Hey, hello everybody and welcome to another Teal Tinted Glasses. We have a absolutely jam-packed, loaded show for you tonight. Um, so much has happened, so much is obviously still going to come and it's going to be absolutely wild. Um, so I'm going to get this started really, really quick. Just quick introductions. You know who we are at this point, I would hope to God anyway. Uh, with me always, Mr. Kevin Lacey. Kevin, how are you doing tonight, sir? I'm great. I'm great. I'm still battling off people bitching on Twitter about losing Yosef Kojanash. So we'll talk about that on the show. And Mr. Hockey Jerk. You know what? I'm just glad that uh, for this this time around, our podcast is exempt from the expansion draft. Absolutely. Yes. None of us are going anywhere, thankfully. uh, Yeah, we're all going to be here. So uh, if you don't like that, I'm sorry. Not really. So. I think I, I think the first thing before we get into like everything that's happened, I, I feel like we need an expansion draft like every five years at this point. Like just yeah. to keep things interested, I think we need one. I, I don't think now I don't think the league would need to expand every five years because I think that would be bad long term. But sure. um, let's say you're the Buffalo Sabers and you hit the jackpot, you know, five first round picks in a row, and you still can't get it right. Maybe we take all your players away and, and you get to start over. Yeah, I mean, look, yesterday that that like 90-minute stretch between the with the 40 minutes between the actual deadline and about a half hour to an hour after the deadline when when moves were still coming in, that was more exciting than at least the last two trade deadlines that we had. Like we did Teal Town uh, live yesterday and I wasn't kidding when I said welcome to the real trade deadline for 2021 yesterday because Yesterday was a fun, fun two hours. Yeah. I I just think it was it was it to me it was really incredible because like we had guys who we didn't even know were available getting traded, so it was like actually legitimately exciting. You know, it's not like it's not like previous years where it's like oh yeah, you know, the worst kept secret ever is that player X went to team Y, and it's like wait, that was a secret? Like you know, so. It was nice to have some some mystery and some some intrigue and some excitement. Yeah, good, well said. Yeah, I agree. All right, so let's get started with the craziness that was the week. And this this right here feels like it was an eternity ago. Like this was last season. But Duncan Keith gets traded to Edmonton for Caleb Jones and a third round pick, conditional third round pick. I Not- like. I- Okay, I like I, I like Duncan Keith. I don't know that I like him at that ticket anymore. And I mean, by by all accounts, Caleb Jones wasn't going to stick around in Edmonton. You know, he was out the door anyway. So it, it, it's kind of a it's a you know a spoiled fruit, if you will. Um, but still, like it's. It just seems like a bit much to give up for a player like Duncan Keith, who, again, I like Duncan Keith, but at that ticket, I don't know that I would willingly take that on, especially with no retained salary. But, I mean, maybe he's the replacement to Oscar Clefbaum. It doesn't seem to me like that works in this timeline, but hey, who knows? Here's Go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, here the thing that I don't understand is... is Duncan Keith had what three possible destinations? Four, four, four possible places 
where he wanted to go. I don't understand how the Blackhawks can extract that much out of you for a guy that only wants to go so many places. Like, you would think that would hurt his value more than increase it. I think that's that's well put. I'm glad you took that vantage point, Ian, because I feel feel like a lot of the chatter around the league has been, how can Edmonton take on Duncan Keith without any retained salary? And I'm thinking to myself, sure, I understand that, but Edmonton gave up Caleb Jones and a, a draft pick for Duncan Keith as well. So, like, but between those two things, like, it, it, it feels like... People are saying Chicago fleeced Edmonton, and I I think that's – I don't know if I believe that because I think Duncan Keith is still a good NHL defenseman. I don't think he's an elite NHL defenseman by any any means. I think that Edmonton got what they needed, so it's kind of like the Sharks with the the Aiden Hill trade that that we'll eventually talk about again later, but – Ultimately, Edmonton got what they needed and what they wanted, and they gave up an asset they didn't want. So the retained salary's not that big of a deal. Um, from Chicago's side, they trade Duncan Keith, who they possibly could have lost in the expansion draft anyway. So I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know. Ian, are you on the side of of? Chicago totally reaps the benefits on this. Is it balanced? Is not? I feel like it's ba- a lot more balanced than people give it credit to. But I do understand both sides of the co- the complaining here. I mean, the underlying numbers for Duncan Keith in the last few seasons hasn't been great. But I mean, age yeah. is a, you know age is undefeated in the NHL. Like that's the that, and I think that's the the concern, right? I mean. <sighs> It's going to be interesting to see how Edmonton's going to use him. And I think that's really what's going to eventually bear out whether this was a good trade for Edmonton or not, is how Edmonton plans to use him. If Edmonton's planning you know, on using him as a 1-2 guy, this is a disaster. Yeah. An absolute disaster. But if you don't use him as a 1-2 guy, then you look at the return you gave Chicago and you go, well... Am I doing this for a four five guy, a five six guy? Like, is that a lot for a five six guy? Yeah, I mean that's, and I feel like that's where the value in the trade really has a lot of people, you know, up in up in arms. I think because what role is he going to play? If he's playing middle, if he's playing you know middle pair minutes, then I think that's probably fine for the value you gave up. But if you plan on playing him like top two. That's that's a disaster. I don't think he's a top two guy in the league anymore. Most most definitely, and and with the the Darnell Nurse there, um, I, I even I know Tyson Berry is about to be departed, but I actually thought he fit in really well. Adam Larson, Adam Larson is he? Adam Larson would be the perfect Sharks defenseman, guys. One year you love him, the next year he's the worst hockey player on the face of the freaking earth <laughs> but like right now everyone loves adam larson in edmonton and they're crying that he's about to go and it sounds like he might actually be resigning so like but but those are both two left side defensemen so i think duncan keith is better than a third pair d but if that's what ends up happening he's a damn good third pair d um, I, I, I don't think, hate I him on the third pair What's that? I said I, I don't hate him on the third pair. I don't even know if I'd hate him on the 
on the middle pair, depending on what you do for special teams. Like, I think how you deploy him on special teams really makes or breaks that for me. Yeah. It's just really interesting to me because I feel like... I feel like Edmonton, ever since they've, you know, sort of become a quote-unquote good team, like, I feel like they've just kept kept around all of their middle-of-the-road kind of defensemen where you look like, you know, Duncan Keith, Chris Russell, Adam Larson. Like, these, I don't know, to me, these are all kind of just the same. The guys, like, they, you know, sort of top out around the, around the same, um, you know, expectation level, and it's like, you know... I I know Edmonton is supposed to be a competitive team in the in the division, but I'm just you know when is like when will guys you know are they going to give Bouchard you know minutes Broberg like you know are they going to resign uh, Barry you know like there's just so much confusion with their blue line where I feel like they have just so many guys who are all kind of that same middle of the road guy and even you know Oscar Clefbaum you know. Kevin, you've obviously mentioned he may not play again this year. Other people are still not sure, and it's just, I don't know. I just feel like they just keep bringing in guys, and, you know, they're not the guys they should probably be bringing in, I don't think. You're you're right. They do revolve that door a lot in Edmonton around their defensemen, and that's why they drafted players like Evan Bouchard and Philip Broberg. Now, I, I understand that Broberg is probably not ready for NHL action. I mean, he's not even played AHL action yet. Right. Uh, Evan Bouchard didn't impress me uh, two seasons ago with Bakersfield. Obviously, didn't get to see him in person this past season. Um, but I would think that Bouchard would be a guy I mean, that that could take a step forward. Also, Dmitry Samarukov played in the KHL this past season. wasn't that good in the AHL last year, but had a killer year in the KHL this year. So that's another player in the mix. So. They do have some young assets, and yet they still continue to bring in players like Tyson Berry last year, Duncan Keith this year. Uh, Clefbaum continues to be the question, um, and I think that's why Edmonton feels this need to fill in his his role, because um, you, you already alluded to it. Ken Holland said last year... Oscar Clefbaum may never play hockey again, and so I don't know why this is even in question. Oh, could he play this year? Not according to Ken Holland last year, so why should we believe it this year? Um, but the the ever-changing blue line, that's a problem. Like, that's where you want to have the most stability. Look at the Sharks. Mm-hmm. Like, the Sharks have one of the least stable... Actually, statistically, they have the least stable blue line in the league the last couple of years, and they're just patching things together who's going to play with carlson who's going to play with burns martin Joachim ryan i don't know Shimmick. kinesia like they they can't figure it out and edmonton's the same boat so they need they need to stick with some plan and, and maybe it's the other parts that need to move around but yeah before we move on i like ken holland has there been a GM that has really done worse in the salary cap era? Like for for all the good he did in Detroit, but the second that salary cap came in, like it was, and it's not getting any better in Edmonton. Like I was shocked when he got the Edmonton job, and I feel bad for Edmonton fans because obviously they've got some really really nice pieces there, you know. Um, 
If you look yeah, at Matt so David, you look say, at Dreisaitl. Uh, Shirelli might rival that, but oh, oh, he's the guy that Ken Holland replaced. So obviously yeah. Edmonton's just. I, and you know, I just thought about, and and you know, maybe we'll we'll touch on this, or maybe it'll be next time around. But you know, you you mentioned Tyson Berry being a bit of a question mark, Kevin. Yeah. I got to tell you right now, if Barry doesn't return, Edmonton is at the top of my list for Keith Yandel's services because you think about the type of forwards that Edmonton employs. They need that defenseman who's going to get them the puck on the power play. Yeah. That's Keith Yandel's meal ticket right there. Yeah, and, and, and Yandel actually had, despite what the Florida Panthers brass would want you to believe, Yandel was actually decent this past season. They and, just really wanted to get rid of his contract. Yeah, and, and that's the thing, right, is like, in, in keeping with that same theme, let's say they do bring in Keith Yandel, or even if they keep Tyson Berry, it's another situation where they're just bringing in all these, like I said, all these guys who are around the same skill level. And I mean, you know, elite number one defensemen don't, lo- don't you know, grow on trees, obviously, but that's kind of where I think they need to focus their efforts, you know, whether it's trade or whether it's, you know, draft and develop, I don't know. But like I'm, you know say what you want about Ryan Ellis. I'm surprised Edmonton, maybe they, if they were, but I, I, I think they would have been smart to sniff around someone like Ryan Ellis, to be honest with you. And maybe they did. You yeah, know. I mean, maybe, maybe they did. Know what but, got rejected. But right, exactly. Uh, okay, so right. moving on, because... We can't, we gotta, too much Edmonton. Too much Edmonton. <laughs> we gotta we, we gotta keep this puppy moving, or we're gonna be here all night. Um, obviously, the big like, like I think this is huge too, and it's it's crazy because it seems like a, another drop in the bucket compared to everything else this week. But the Minnesota uh, Wild buyout both um, Zach Parise and Ryan Suter. Now, I I don't know if they realize that just because you sign two guys to the same contract at the same time doesn't mean you have to buy them out at the same time. <laughs> But they did, and the the cap implications here are absolutely insane. Like they have, they're gonna have three seasons of cap hell. Next season, not so bad. Combined, four point seven four million dollars against the cap next year. Not a big deal. Twenty two twenty three, twelve point seven million dollars against the cap combined. Like that's dead cap space. Cap space you can't use. And then between twenty three twenty four and twenty four twenty five. million dollars against the salary cap before 25 to 29 where it becomes a very reasonable 1.66 million um against the cap for the both of them which really isn't that bad um all things considered but those i mean i'm just very surprised like i the Zach Parisi one, I actually understand. I mean, it's not mm-hmm. it's not some it's not some big secret. You know, Minnesota's been trying to trade him since the trade deadline last year, so that's you know, it, again, it's not some big secret. But the Ryan Suter one really caught me off guard, and obviously, obviously, Ryan Suter's not the player that he was uh, when the deal was signed, and even a few years ago. But you know, by all accounts, you know, whether you're an eye test person or a or a possession metrics person or both or neither you know it, Ryan Suter was still a player in my estimation worth keeping around and so I almost wonder if it was you know a calculated move by Bill Guerin to be like yeah uh, I'm tired of the old guard so I'm going to do my thing now 
with Ryan Suter. I mean, we just talked about it with Duncan Keith. You got Duncan Keith going for Caleb Jones and a third round pick, and Ryan Suter gets bought out. They're kind okay. of in the same grain as like elite level defensemen who aren't elite level defensemen anymore, but they can still hang in the NHL with the right amount of minutes, you know, 16, 17 minutes a night. 18 even they'd probably be fine Suter, i thought played well with jonas brodeen last year uh, when they were paired together so i that one was very strange to me um and i don't know if you guys caught michael russo's article on the on the athletic but that was a solid uh, read solid read. read for sure for those of you who don't have the athletic i'll sum up real quick parisi got bought out called ryan Suter, or ryan Suter called him one or the other Suter was like huh, that's interesting and then all of a sudden Suter's phone started ringing while he's on the phone with parisi and thought well that's weird let me take this finds out he gets bought out pissed at bill garen hangs up on bill garen calls parisi back like this <laughs> just got me got rid of me too like what an article go check that out if you have an athletic description uh, a subscription but um yeah uh ryan Suter, where's he gonna go i mean there are definitely plenty of teams who who need uh again a second pair of defensemen what team wouldn't want that i mean tampa bay had what uh couple of top pair defensemen and like six second pair defensemen on their roster um and and Suter is going to continue to get paid by minnesota so he might take a a nice cap friendly deal with someone else to to sign parisi the same boat i think parisi's got less to offer than Suter does but they're both serviceable players and i wouldn't be surprised if we see them signing with cup contenders here uh, early on in the off season. Yeah, I think there's going to be a lot of teams interested in Ryan Suter, especially because, like you said, uh, you know, a lot of times guys that get bought out, they don't mind signing for less because they're already getting that money from their buyout. Like that money's coming in regardless. It's not like a coach, you know, a coach gets hired by a new team and they, you know, and that's that. And, you know, he's the, yeah. his old team stops paying him. Um, so I think I think Ryan Suter is going to have a lot of people uh, interested in his services um, and I wouldn't be surprised if a team, like you said, like a Tampa Bay who, you know, picks up Ryan Suter for a league minimum for a year and just goes for it. Or, you know, a, a team that I really like for Ryan Suter right now is Colorado. Oh, I, I think that's a team that... that's a really good one, especially when you talk about like Sam Girard having defensive deficiencies and stuff like that. Pair him if they keep him, pair him with Ryan Suter. Woo! Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, and then you know, and they could even afford to pay him, you know, not what he was getting paid in Minnesota, obviously, but he could still get a pretty decent ticket from a team like Colorado, in my opinion. Um, the the thing that baffles me though is if you're like the Wild, they look like the Wild looked like they were finally turning a corner, and now, I mean, you don't have Kaprizov under contract yet. There's they're not looks like they're not exactly in the same ballpark. Minnesota wants him for a lot more term than he's willing to give up. But how like if you're Kaprizov, do you want to stay or like is the KHL looking a little more enticing now knowing that your team is going to be handcuffed 14 12 million player 12 million dollars like that's you know depending on how you slice that that's you know that's two first line players. 
that's you know potentially your line mate. That's a defenseman. Minnesota, Minnesota's made some quizzical moves ever since they got eliminated from the playoffs because I think the Erickson Eck contract makes sense, but still a little bit of an eyebrow raiser. They let go of Suter, they let go of Parisi, and let uh, someone brought it up on Twitter. I wish I could give the person credit, but I don't know who that. They have now kept Matt Dumba through two expansion yes. drafts at the expense of Alex Tuck, Eric Halla, Zach Parisi, and Ryan Suter for one Matt Dumba. Um, now they have protected Cam Talbot over Capo Kakinen for. Yeah, that blew my mind. <laughs> Kaprizov is, uh, like you said, Ian, very far from signing a contract from from what everything has been reported is. Um, so, boy, oh boy, like things are rapidly getting bleak in Minnesota. And don't give me like that's a tough division. Rob in the chat, like, is Minnesota rebuilding? Do they have a choice? Are they going to have a choice with those with that much dead cap? Look at the yeah, look at the Sharks. I mean, we, the Sharks don't have dead cap yet, but they have cap that might as well be they can, have immovable <laughs> cap, which is essentially dead cap. Yeah, so. but I mean, it's 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 that's a lot of money. I mean, again, just going back to just going back to my notes here again. I mean, fourteen point seven million dollars spending on guys not playing for you—that's insane to me. Ilya Brizgalov will be like, "Hey, can I come not play for Minnesota?" <laughs> you know minnesota must know something about the salary cap that we don't know you know i hope so <laughs> like it, it is is are we gonna see you know 95 million next year uh, i don't no. think we're gonna see cap movement for another two no that's what i'm saying yeah. but you know for some reason you know bill Guerin seems to be more optimistic than the three of us um I, I I'm I'm all for you know because obviously bill Guerin he's i think this is his only his third season on the job so, you know, I'm all for wanting to kind of put your own stamp on the team and, and, and set up your own foundation as opposed to trying to build on somebody else's foundation. But it just seems like really crazy. You know, like you said, Kevin, with Capo Kakinen being exposed. I mean, I don't see a way Seattle doesn't take and the Parisi suitor thing. And it's I, I'm, I'm just very interested to see where this all goes and. I don't know. I mean, I really have no words. It's I thought Minnesota was finally starting to build something and 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 finally, you know, remove themselves from that label of being like the perpetual middle of the road team. And I feel like the last year and a half of work that's been done, I feel like it's just been undone. Yeah, it's it's amazing that I mean, I'm surprised ownership signed off on it for one. Because a lot of a lot of money. It's a lot of money. Yeah, like I don't know. Um, happy trails to Pecorine, who renounced his retirement. Who I think Pecorine is like one of my favorite goalies of all time. Um, guy who could be just absolutely dominant and then absolutely infuriating at the same time. For like he would just kind of go back and forth. But man, when Pecorine was on, like I don't think there's. In this era of the NHL, I don't think I don't know how many better goalies there there they were than Pecorino when Pecorino was on. Absolutely, and for me, the the middle aughts, the middle two thousands, 
that was when I really started to focus my time on watching the Swedish Elitserien, which is now the SHL, and Liga, which is or SM Liga, which is now Liga in Finland. And the three goalies, well, there were two goalies. There were Henrik Lundqvist, and another were three goalies. Henrik Lundqvist, Tuka Rask, and Nicholas Backstrom. And when Nicholas Backstrom signed with Minnesota, who we just talked about, Karpat, his team, was left with some guy named Pekarine. Not so bad. Obviously, Pekarine uh, played a little bit in, in Liga, comes over to North America, plays one year in the AHL, and then the next 15 in the NHL. So, boy, oh boy. Uh, Pekarine has really done an outstanding job of building his career through a good program in Carpat, but not mm-hmm. even being the guy in Carpat, because Backstrom was the guy. And and uh, the the face of the Nashville Predators, a- a- at least goaltending, if not all-time right now, is, is Pecorine. So uh, we joke about his his anger management issues during the playoffs and things like that. But um, I'm with you, Ian. Like, I, I think he's an incredible goalie, great flexibility. He made some un- just godlike saves uh, in He used to kill moments. the Sharks on regular – until that playoff series, he killed the Sharks on, on the yeah. regular. Like, oh, just absolutely. absolutely killed the Sharks. He had like a yeah, – up so. until that playoff series, I think he had like a 9.41 save, per- 9, 9.41 save percentage against the Sharks or something stupid at one point. Like, just, yeah, stone-cold shark killer. And like being a great mentor for UC Saros, and like so, the last couple of years, it's it's pained me a little bit. Um, having watched essentially Rene's entire pro career from Europe to now, um, it's pained me a little bit hearing people saying like, "Oh, Rene, blah blah blah," and you know he's not the guy, and, and he wasn't the guy. It was time for Saros to take over. But I'm happy that Rene was able to finish out his his career with one organization because I do know that meant a lot to him. He he said that in inter- interviews before. Um, so even though there is that that enticement of winning a cup elsewhere, I think I think it's really cool of him to say you know what i i'm happy with my career i spent it all with nashville so happy trails to pekka rene yeah and you know just real quick like uh, you look at the stats i mean he won won the vesna three years ago and he was a vesna finalist three other times in mm-hmm. addition to that so obviously you know he's he's got the the receipts to back up his play but i feel like for me and maybe you guys agree maybe you don't i feel like he's a goalie that's that I always forgot about. I always feel like there were other goalies yeah. who were t- who were talked about more than him, and so it's kind of like, oh yeah, Pecorine. I forgot, you know, that he, you know, I was thinking about this these other four goalies. I totally forgot about Pecorine. And you look at the stats, and it's like, holy crap! Like he's a really good goalie. Like why are not people not talking about him more? So I agree with you, Kevin. I obviously Stanley Cups are a big deal, but I think for someone like him, I think it's important to, you know, be with that one team his entire career and okay maybe he didn't win a stanley cup but you know i'm you know the fact that he was willing to just retire with nashville and not chase a cup i think it goes to show how important nashville is to him and sorry i'll let you talk ian but the year that you said he won won the vezina three years ago as a 35 year old no less that's a year after people were thinking should nashville buy out pecorine 
And then he goes and wins the Vezina the very next year. So clearly Nashville was right to hang on to him as long as they did and eventually became a mentor for Rosaros, as I said. So what's up, Ian? And I, I was gonna I was just gonna finish on this. Like, okay, you're I, I it's true, right? Like Pecorine never won Nashville a cup. I don't feel like he ever costed them a cup either. No. Right? Like I don't feel like I don't look at any I am I, I I'd be interested to get like a Nashville fan's perspective on this. But I don't look at any series and go, well, Pecorine is the reason they didn't move on. Like, you know, this is a team that um, where offense goes to die. <laughs> we talked about that a lot on the last show. And I think when we get to the expansion picks, we'll continue that trend. You're totally right. <laughs> we'll continue that trend. Um, okay, so uh, that brings us to Keith Yandel, who gets bought, bought out by the Florida Panthers. Uh, just give you the quick uh, dollar amounts here. Uh, in 21-22, it's going to be he's going to count uh, 2.342 million against the uh, what team? The Panthers uh, salary cap. Uh, 22-23, 5.932 million. I mean, that's that's a little pricey uh, to have against your cap that year. Um, for especially again another another team that's contending, like that's a that's a big chunk of change. Uh, where they, I don't know if the cap's going to do very much. Uh, and then 23 to 25, uh, so 23, 24, 24, 25, it's 1.232 million chump change. I mean, in the grand scheme of things, like as far as buyouts go, that's totally fine to have against your cap. It's that one year, 22, 23, that's, I think, really going to hurt them. Um, I was kind of surprised by this, to be honest. I, I didn't think, uh, I didn't see this coming. Me neither. I, I... <laughs> It's just weird to me because, you know, we and we kind of talked about it before. We're like, you know, Keith Yandel is still he's still an effective player. You know, like I said, he he's uh, he's really good on the power play, which the players that Florida has, you know, they they've got a lot of forwards that can score a lot of goals. You need a guy who can sort of run the show on the power play. So I, I, I thought it was quite odd when when Florida appeared to be pushing him out, you know, and the Ironman streak was in jeopardy. But. I, I still like this player. I mean, okay, maybe there you could want more from him defensively. I, I'm willing to cede that point. But, mm-hmm. you know, I, I picture Keith Yandel being one of those guys who has a deal signed on day one of UFA just because of what he can bring on the power play. I mean, it, it, it's how much is it talked about how important it is to score on the power play? And you have the opportunity to bring in somebody who has made his money doing exactly that. You know, I... I I fully expect him to sign on day one of UFA. And, and another point is that, so a lot has been made about Chris Dreger being picked by Seattle in expansion. The To me, the main purpose of buying out Keith Yandel was to open up a protection slot for Gustav Forsling or mm-hmm. maybe Mac Weger. Anyway, uh, regardless of that, if... The Panthers know that Dreger's the guy Seattle is taking. Then Yandel's buyout for that for for protection purposes becomes pointless. So because Dreger's going anyway, so mm-hmm. whether Forsling or Uyghur or whoever are exposed, it doesn't matter. Dreger's their guy. So I think the writing was really on the wall. We know that that Joel Quenville tried to scratch. Uh, Keith Yandel at the start of the season and, and break the Iron Man streak and and the fans basically won out and told him like what the hell are you doing which is amazing because Joel Quendell's an amazing coach and yet 
he 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 gave into uh, what the fans had to say on that. But uh, once the playoffs started, boom, Yandel press box, bye. Yeah. Like no no worry, no shame, nothing. And for when that happened, I said, okay, Yandel's the only reason he's there is because of the of the Iron Man streak. Despite the fact that again, Yandel had a good, not a great, but a good year, and pretty much his whole career has been good years and he's obviously durable so yeah i think yandel is definitely valuable for another team um he's not just an iron man streak um i we've we've talked a lot obviously about patrick marlowe's iron man streak but let's mm-hmm. not forget keith yandel has played more games in a row than patrick marlowe so yandel has to drop before marlowe becomes into consideration there anyway um yandel i think still has some wheels to go in his career so i'm i'm curious to see where where he goes, um, it's his choice at this point. And another player who has made some money, maybe he takes a, a lesser deal to go somewhere. Yeah, I mean, um, I, I, I'm curious to see where Yandel goes. Um, and I, I think it's a good time that I can kind of mention that we are going to do our, we are doing our usual free agent frenzy game. So um we're gonna eventually make picks on all of that and we'll let you know how we did i plan on doing terrible like i always do but um <laughs> but yeah so definitely because uh, i know uh rob's asking yandel to boston i i haven't really given yandel much thought yet i mean boston's as good a landing place as any i guess um but uh we'll definitely be doing that free agent game that we always do and we'll let you know how uh how we all do it'll be great uh jerk do you have anything yeah, yeah. on yandel before i move on um, no, no, I um, I haven't thought about it either, but um, that ma- that makes some sense to me. You Boston, yeah, I I could see Boston, but my money's still on Edmonton. Uh, okay, so Dallas Stars, uh, getting away from trades for a second, Dallas signs defenseman Amir Heiskanen to an eight-year, eight point four five million dollar extension. My question is this, because I have not watched enough Dallas recently. I know Miro Heiskanen is a good player. Is he eight years at $8.45 million good? I don't I think, think so. so. Oh, okay. Ooh. I, I, I think uh, I'll just I'll be brief. I, I would like more from him offensively at that ticket. But... He's not the worst guy to have. Like I, I, I think he's somebody. Maybe he can be worth that amount um, next year or the year after. But I, I think more offensively from him, I don't think is too much to ask. But I, I don't know. I mean, what are you going to go down to at that point? Like I don't think I. It's it would be my preference to sign him to that, but. I don't think it's like an egregious signing either. You know what I mean? Maybe it's a bit rich, but it's not like it, it's not Eric Carlson getting eleven and a half million dollars. You right. guys know that I'm really stingy about giving out these these long term contracts, these big money tickets, and especially everything. to a twenty two year old. Yeah, and so so whatever everything that Jerk just said, um, I'm in complete agreement. Heiskanen is a defenseman who I believe can match the contract. I do think because of his age and the fact that he has only been in the league, what, three years now? Yeah, 205 uh, career games so far. Yeah, yeah. So I do, I can see this being a situation where this contract does not age well at all in a couple of years. Because, because 
Shane Gostisbear, who is available on the expansion market, you know, he had that same kind of start to his career, and Philadelphia could not beg anyone to take him these last two years. So, not at $8 million, obviously, that was more like, I think, $4.5 million per season, but... I think Heiskanen, Heiskanen has more to offer than, like, Gospis Bear has. I think he's a better defenseman, defensive defenseman. I think he brings plenty of of offensive upside. I think he thinks the game very well. He's definitely not a physical defenseman, that's for sure. But I think that Heiskanen, I think that's a, a solid investment for Dallas, especially because we never know what they want to do with John Klingberg. Okay. Um so if John Klingberg ends up going away, then they're going to need to keep Heiskanen happy as the guy bringing the offense from the back end. Um, but would I have? Would that have been my go-to eight by eight? No, 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 no. Because to me, you sign him to a three-year deal at five million, and then you let him try and re-sign at twenty-five years old, and then give him the big money ticket. But that's not the way the NHL is anymore. As as no frustrating as it is to say that um i everyone wants their money now i i get that um and the way the owners have built this league um the the players have the advantage to ask for eight by eight right out of their entry level contract so um again if we ever get to another lockout or work stoppage or anything like that it's the owner's fault for contracts like this always is um, I, I'm just in the chat, um, you know, and kind of the, and this is, I think where, where my, where I had to ask the question, because if this is what Mir Heiskanen gets, what's Kale McCarr going to get? I was just going to say, Kevin, Kevin mentioned keeping players. <laughs> I was going to say, Kev, Kevin mentioned, you know, how you keep players happy. And it made me mm-hmm. think, well, you know, who's really happy to see this is Kale McCarr. Because I think right. when I said before, you know, I would like to see more offensively from Heiskanen to justify this contract. I'm expecting Makar level goals and assists, or at points at least, at least assists for Heiskanen in order to be worth the deal. So, like, I, I think I think if you're Makar's agent, you're like, hmm, okay, thank you. Like an- another defenseman who I really, really, really like. Now, obviously, he's a little bit older. And I need to see what he makes. Because I think, like, a comparable for... Is, is like, would Jacob Slavin be a good comparable for Heiskanen? Oh, that's... I mean, I don't know. I don't know what Kevin thinks. I think that would be fair. I think like, Slavin's a much better defensive defenseman, and I think that mm-hmm. Heiskanen brings a lot more offense. More Slavin offense, does. though. But, like, does he bring... Th- three more million dollars in offense more okay if you're gonna put it that way <laughs> no right like that's and that's what i that's what i'm looking at like i look at jacob slavin's deal and I, I i just like i just i don't know i think they should be closer together but we'll we'll see what happens i mean it's not is it the end of the world no i mean it's i don't know i'm not a dallas fan i don't care um <laughs> I don't know. It just it seems it just seems like a lot, especially when you think of the the escalation effect that it have, i.e., guys like Kale McCarr. Because like, what do you what does McCarr get now? 
And then, yeah, oh. I don't even know. That's a rabbit hole I don't even want to go down, actually. Cause... Thomas Shabbat signing for $8 million. I don't know if, I don't remember yeah. if it was 8x8 or 7x8, but Thomas Shabbat signing for that really set the frame for this contract, which then sets the frame for Makar's contract. That is an excellent point. Yeah. That is an excellent point. All right, so moving on, uh, we have a three-way trade. Three-way trades are super awesome. Uh, so Nashville, uh, I'll give you the end result. Nashville gets Cody Glass and Philip Myers. Philadelphia gets Ryan Ellis. And Vegas gets Nolan Patrick. I don't know what the hell Vegas is doing. Like, I, I could... Go ahead. I can un- I can understand them giving up on Cody... Like, giving up on Cody Glass if it's in return for a legitimate top six NHL center. We have not seen that from Nolan Patrick yet. And... and you know, there's been there's been a lot of um, a lot of injury issues with him as well, and so it's just you know I'm not saying I'm not going to sit here and say he's not a good player, but with the injury history and the the slow rate of development for a second overall pick, and maybe you can put the two together, but I feel like if I'm Vegas, I would rather just hold on to Cody Glass, or at the very least, if you are going to trade for Nolan Patrick, you say to Nashville. Hey, you need an exempt player. You're going to give me a little bit more. I think you know. Was it last show or the show before where we were ta- talking about Cody Glass and how he needs to take last a step show. forward, and mm-hmm. and uh, it won't be with Vegas now. So I, I kind of <laughs> got a chuckle when this trade happened. Nolan Patrick. Uh, the one thing that I can say to him, obviously, he had the the head injury that cost him over a season of play. Um, But I think that Nolan Patrick, you you guys know I'm not a big Peter DeVore fan, and that's putting it mildly. But I do think that Nolan Patrick would thrive in a Peter DeVore system, more of a a defensive-oriented system, because Patrick's Patrick's got, I think, untapped offensive ability, kind of like how William Carlson had untapped offensive ability, uh, but was more of a, a, a second, third line defensive forward. And I think Patrick can can do that role, and uh, DeBoer looks for guys like that. So um, I think that this can work. Um, but obviously, William Carlson was thriving under Gerard Gallant, not Peter DeBoer. So that comparison's a little wishy-washy. Um, nevertheless, uh, I think Vegas needs more offense from the forward end. I think Glass brings more offense uh, as a forward than than Nolan Patrick does. So, yeah, that one's... That one's it, it's funny because this is the Ryan Ellis trade. But mm-hmm. there are, like, so many quizzical parts to this whole thing that it, it, it feels weird passing a judgment right now. But that's what we're here to do. <laughs> And and I'm with you guys. I, from a Vegas perspective, I don't get it. Um, I think that Nashville and Philly definitely got the better end of uh, of this whole thing. I think from from Vegas, I'll start with Vegas quick, and then I'll move on to the other teams. The thing that concerns me, if I am a Vegas Golden Knights fan, is that this team should be set to contend for a decent amount of time. 
But every knee-jerk move from this, I feel like it chips away at that window and it just closes it a little bit more and a little bit more. And maybe you don't notice it right away, but it's going to get to a point where that window is going to close and they're going to look around and be like, what the hell just happened? Oh, that sounds like uh, the Sharks. Because like this is a like this is a team that I and I look at I I I appreciate the going all in gusto to win now like I I do appreciate that, but it comes at a cost and their Vegas has used a lot of the capital they've built up for a lot of win now moves they have to win because if this team doesn't win soon they're gonna salary cap themselves right out of their window. I like Nolan Patrick for them because I agree he should thrive if he can stay healthy. He should thrive in a Peter DeBoer system. Vegas definitely needs help down the middle. But this is... I I like Cody Glass too. Um, and I think this is... I'll give, like, I'll give Vegas credit, man. They always swing. Um, and I think if, you know, you kind of... For better or worse, they always swing. And I, I, you know, and for a team that's as good as they are, you you have to respect that to a point. But I would be nervous for them now as a Sharks fan. They can slam that window shut as quick as they can if they really want to. I don't care. But as a you know, as a hockey fan, as a person that comes on here and pretends I I know stuff about hockey, it concerns me. Um, the now I I love the trade for Philadelphia. Uh, Philadelphia getting Ryan Ellis is exactly the kind of guy they need. This is a team where we boasted about how good like this defense core was going to be, and it hasn't really panned out. A lot of you know some of their guys haven't really become the guys we thought they were going to be. Other than I think Provorov, I think Provorov's legit. Rest of them not so much. But Ryan Ellis, he's he's a legit guy, and I think that he solves a definite hole in that. In that blue line, and that's a tough division. The Metro's no joke. Um, but I like Philadelphia a lot more right now than I did, you know, before this trade happened. And Nashville, Nashville's an interesting one. I, I don't know what Nashville's doing. <laughs> like, I'm kind of at a loss for what they're doing. Um, but I don't hate it. I, I, I like Cody Glass. I think Cody Glass is a guy that... Um, that still is going to be a player in this league. I think he's going to be a good player, but man, Nashville's raw offense goes to die. And Cody yeah. Glass at the NHL level has had trouble producing offense. So, I mean, small sample size for sure, but um, I, I don't know about Nashville in this deal, but the, I, I, the other, you know, I, I love it for Philly. Yeah. I think Philly is the clear winner here. I mean, you know, just like I said, getting a defenseman of Ryan Ellis's stature, you know, for Nolan Patrick, who, again, like I said before, good player, but he's not met the expectations that I think a lot of people had for him up to this point. And, and again, same thing, Phil Myers, good defenseman, but I would say is, and this is just my opinion, maybe you guys disagree, I don't think he was originally one of those guys that Philadelphia was thinking, oh, okay, this is going to be one of our big defensemen. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I always thinking Gostas Bear, Provorov, uh, Sanheim, mm-hmm. you know, guys like this, you know, and Phil Myers kind of 
slipped slipped through the cracks, so to speak. So to be able to use him and another piece to get someone like Ryan Ellis, I agree with you, Ian. I think it was big, you know, swing at and and you know hit of a home run. You're talking about swinging and same thing for Nashville. I mean, getting Cody Glass, it's nice, but again, you know, it is where offense goes to die and. We've seen that time and time again with all these players, you know, who have gone there. Duchesne, Johansson, uh, Forsberg, you know, and the only guy who that moniker didn't apply to, they traded away. So I'm with you. I don't know what Nashville's doing, but at the end of the day, they still have Yossi. They still have Matthias Ekholm. So downgrading, so to speak, Ellis from Phil Myers, it's not the worst move ever, I don't think. Okay, so I'm going to skip a couple things and, here. Oh, go ahead. They and the they downgraded their defense, but they were able to upgrade their offense in in a key area, which is mm-hmm. you know they they need any kind of offense whatsoever. Um, and I'm going to give a hat tip to Tom Callahan of Talking Puck, who used to be the National Predators play by play announcer actually for a good chunk of time and he was saying cody glass really his foot speed is what keeps him from thriving in the nhl and i I can definitely see that but um i'd like to see what he can really do um at the nhl level because he's he's been great at the ahl level and from philly fans perspective it sounds to me like they're a little lukewarm on this trade because (laughs) Some people believe Phil Myers is a poor man's Ryan Ellis. Now, the, certainly size-wise, they're different. Ryan Ellis, I think, is six feet. Phil Myers is six five. Phil Myers does have some un, some untapped offensive ability, but generally, he's a big punishing defenseman. Uh, Ellis is definitely not that. Um, but I think, given the tools that Nashville already has on the blue line, I think Myers complements that very well. Uh, my one concern from Philly's perspective is that they all—they're kind of like Toronto. They always have a ridiculously high bar for mm-hmm. whichever acquisitions they have. So if Ryan Ellis does not have a great year one or start to year two, we're all get already going to be hearing about buy out Ryan Ellis, all this garbage. So I that that. I think Ryan Ellis is the best player in this deal. Oh, by far. There is a little buyer beware in the sense of, like, like media-created buyer beware on mm-hmm. this. Okay, so I'm going to do one more thing where, where I want to kind of go in detail, and the other things will kind of just scratch the surface here. But I need someone to also, there's there's something else I need people to explain to me here. The New York Islanders trade Nick Letty to the Detroit Red Wings for Richard Panic in a 2021 second, which is pick number 52. Um, Detroit is retaining 50% of Panic's salary until 22-23. Uh, Letty has one year remaining, 5.5 million AAV, 7 million in actual money. Um, I remember last week where I kind of said, yeah, you know, I think the, the legend of Lamorello is kind of overstated. He, he just did this to Steve Eiserman. I'm an idiot. Like I'm an idiot. Well, well, you know, I 
we both, I think. I know I did for sure when I heard this trade. I thought it was Letty and a second to Detroit. Right. I was like, oh, Detroit must really want that second. And I'm like, oh, no, that's not the way this worked. Right. And usually that's how a Steve Eiserman trade works is he he gets the extra pick. That's that's how he got Mark Stahl last year. You think Steve Eiserman cares about Mark Stahl being on Detroit? No, he just wanted that second round pick that came along with it. And I thought Nick Letty was kind of the same way. I guess it's cool for Detroit because this is the sign that now they want to actually start building in the rebuild. Yeah. Is Nick Letty that guy? I don't know because for the last four years we've been hearing about how Nick Letty is the odd man out on the island. So I, I, I think he's better than that. Like, I think he's better than him constantly being on the trade block. I think he does have good offensive ability. And I think paired with the right defensive defenseman, hey, Ryan Suter, who knows? Mm-hmm. Um, he, he can really be a. Uh, kind of a, a second pair a defenseman um but with detroit's current climate i, I i'm curious I, I think this is going to need some more moves involved because right now just bringing in letty does for for a second round pick does not make sense uh for detroit i don't know i think it's uh, i think it's a decent move i mean to your point kevin you know letty is an nhl defenseman so it does appear that they are starting to build and actually want to build an nhl team and i like i've been seeing people say oh you know same thing you were saying before where it's like oh letty's the worst player who ever wore an islander sweater and it's like i i think that's far-fetched no that's what i'm saying and and i i think you know i don't think he's he's all of a sudden like a number one defenseman or ever was but he's a good middle pair defenseman you know for a team like detroit who wants to start building as you said but even then if it doesn't work out you know at the trade deadline next year steve eiserman is going to trade him to a team that is desperate for a defenseman and willing to pay at the very least what what detroit gave up because they are desperate so i i i don't i don't see a way where detroit is really the loser here because they either are going to get an asset for him at the trade deadline that's comparable to what they gave up or hey they can keep him and it works out and they have an NHL defenseman on the roster. Yeah, I mean I I think that's the thing. like if you look at teams if you look at cap friendly there there's obviously Seattle has a complete blank canvas right now but right next to that is like Detroit. Detroit has like so many guys that are that are up right now. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see. I, I agree. Like it's going to be interesting to see what comes next because Detroit has room to make a ton of moves to you know decide what this team's going to be. And maybe by the end of the summer, we'll be like, oh well, you know that Nick Letty trade doesn't look so terrible right now. It just it just seems like a lot to not only like because I mean the Islanders gain a ton of cap space from it plus. I mean, Richard Panic again. He's a serviceable guy. He's not. He's not going to blow the doors off. But I think, you know, having him at, you know, one point. What is it? One point six. I think for two years. That's not bad. I, I it's it's. I, I like the deal for the Islanders a lot more than I do for for Detroit. I just, it's a weird one. But I guess with Steve Eiserman, sometimes you just got to trust the process. And I think Steve Eiserman probably earn that so i i'm curious to see what happens next 
So maybe we'll revisit this and he'll be a genius. We'll see. Um, go a couple Eric things I want to hit really quick. Once upon a time, was traded for a second round pick. What the hell is Tampa Bay doing? Oh, two Stanley Cups later. Uh, a couple things really quick. Uh, Colorado traded Ryan Graves to New Jersey for Mikhail Maltsev and a 2021 second, which is pick number 61 in this year's draft. Um, I like that pickup for New Jersey. Colorado, obviously, again, like a lot of teams making moves to prevent Seattle from taking guy for free. That's not a bad return for a guy that you probably were going to lose for free. I, I think Colorado's still going to lose a player, but I think losing Ryan Graves for nothing would be might be far worse than the player that they're probably going to lose for nothing. I, I like it for both teams. I think, to your point, Ian, that Colorado gets assets for guys they were going to lose, and same New Jersey has been, I feel like, the most unforgettable team ever. So, you know, they finally get uh, a player who can play for them. Um Again, somebody who's an NHL caliber player, and I don't think New Jersey is going to challenge for a divisional title anytime soon. But you got to be competitive, and you have to be relevant. And you know, last couple of years, New Jersey's at least tried to do that, so I give them credit for that. I'm actually concerned about this deal for New Jersey. Um, I think Ryan Graves was able to thrive under Colorado's, Colorado's system. Um, because Ryan Graves toiled around in the minors for a long time. And the last two seasons, he's led the league in plus minus and proven himself to be an NHL caliber, caliber defenseman. But I think that uh, some of his stats and play were helped by the fact that Colorado always had the puck. And I don't think he's a bad defenseman, but in going to New Jersey who never seems to have the puck. I could see Ryan Graves getting in over his head and this deal turning very sour for the Devils. So I think getting a second-round pick and a prospect for for Colorado and being allowed to then protect Devon Taves in expansion, I think this is Colorado's win all the way. That's a good point. That's fair. Um, So Pittsburgh Penguins... uh, trade Jared McCann to the Toronto Maple Leafs for Philip Hollander and a seventh round pick. Uh, then they expose Jared McCann in the expansion draft. So it's an interesting move. Um, I should point out though, that we talk, I think we brought this up earlier that the ask for that Seattle has to take the player that they want, that you want them to take is, is the ask is a first and a third. Philip Hollander in a seventh is a hell of a lot better than a first and a third. Well, and and you know what? And Kevin knows Kevin knows how much I like Jared McCann. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So when when I saw that go down, and again, we don't know what did or did not happen. Right. But when I but when I saw Jared McCann go for that, immediately I'm thinking, why were the sharks not sniffing around this? Mm-hmm. It was Detroit not sniffing around that? Yeah. And and like I said, Kevin knows I love Jared McCann. I would have been. Oh man, I would I just think it's a really good trade for Toronto. I mean, you know, as as good as their top uh top two lines are, their depth has been not so great. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, they they've had to add to it every year, you know, whether it's you're bringing in Nick Felino, Wayne Simmons, Jason Spezza, these guys. So I'm thinking, man, they're going to get Jared McCann and they're going to have like that secondary scoring that's going to 
step up for him. And then to your point, Ian, they exposed him. <laughs> so, yeah. and, and, and guys, like, I think the reason that they exposed Jared McCann there though, is to try to deter Seattle from picking Travis Dermott, who they surprisingly exposed. Is it Dermott or Kerfoot? I think it's, I, I just, I'm, I mean, I, I understand why Toronto did the eight skater method because they have a handful of defensemen that yes they want to keep. But I've been saying for ever, it's like, okay, you're very obvious, very obvious that Morgan Riley, Jake Muzzin, these are your left-handed defensemen. Like you need to give guys like Travis Dermott, Rasmus Sandin, like you need to give these guys minutes or you need to trade them elsewhere. And so mm-hmm. I, you know, for them to just, you know, sort of put their eggs in this defense basket, which I think they need to subtract from only to expose a couple of quality forwards. I'm, I don't know. I don't, I don't get it, you know? And, and I think if I were them, I would have, I don't know, but it, it's just very weird to me to trade for Jared McCann, who is a very good player, I think. And, then expose him, but it's like, yeah, but we kept Justin Hall. It's like, yeah, okay. Like again, Justin Hall's a good defenseman, but Justin Hall's grow on trees. You can find those uh, players. Justin Hall. I just made. I just talked about Ryan Graves. How I think he benefited from the system that he was in. I think Justin Hall's the same way. You put Justin Hall on Boston, and I think he fails miserably. Mm-hmm. And and Boston's a better team than Toronto. Yeah. <laughs> Um, here's what I want to bring on this trade. Okay. Kasperi Kapanen was drafted by Pittsburgh and then traded to Toronto. Philip Hollander was traded by Pittsburgh, but drafted by Pittsburgh and traded to Toronto for Kapanen. And then Hollander gets traded to Pittsburgh and just stop. Stop, Pittsburgh and Toronto. You're trading the same pieces over and over and over. I cannot wait for Jared McCann to become a Pittsburgh Penguin next year. It's amazing. <laughs> well, and and that's not the first time they've done that either. I, I can remember, you know, around the time of the Phil Kessel trade, I believe they – I believe Daniel Winnick and a second got traded for each other twice by Pittsburgh and Toronto. Like, <laughs> you know, it, 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 it's in their DNA, but – I, yeah, I I saw somebody say, you know, what if, uh, you know, what if Toronto trades McCann back to Pittsburgh after the expansion draft, and it's like, well, not really going to work now because you exposed him. If I'm Seattle, and we'll get into it, if I'm Seattle, I'm taking Jared McCann. Yeah, there's a lot there to like. Yeah, Uh, we'll talk about that. Deuces, Shoeless in the chat asking for a question for Mr. Hockey Jerk. Hockey Jerk, what is your Sharks trade for Jared McCann? (laughs) <laughs> a seventh round pick and Yoel Shellman. There you go. <laughs> no, but I, I think, you know, I don't, I don't know that I would give up a second for him, mm-hmm. but you know, but if you look at, I don't know, I'm trying to roll through my head and think of some of the trades we've seen, but like, if you, I, I more than Pittsburgh, I'll tell you that, you yeah. know, I think you start that conversation, especially Jared McCann could be your third center your third left winger, your second left winger. He's a very versatile player. I would have given up maybe a, I'm trying to think, 
one of these guys on the Barracuda have just been toiling around, you know, maybe right, you right. You trade mm-hmm. that with like a sixth. Yeah, uh, well, I was gonna say maybe you do something. I don't know, like a Yoakum Blickfeld and like a four. I don't know, you know. I think that would definitely get it done. Jared McCann's okay. bounced around a little bit. I he's another one of those players uh, who I talk about. Like, I wonder what goes on off the ice because Jared McCann bounces around an awful lot for the amount of versatility and the tools that he brings on I'm the ice. glad you brought that up because there was a thing I, I saw something on Twitter and it was apparently from somebody who was in the I want to say the Florida Panthers organization when was it Florida when Jared McCann was in Florida right on Florida yes yeah and I think I, he said something along the lines of it's not Jared it's that's one of those things where Jared McCann is just kind of like a a victim of a changing of focus um, from the ownership group and it mm-hmm. doesn't really reflect on Jared McCann at all. But it's understandable why that's the first thing people go to. Oh, well, he, he's been on a lot of teams. That guy must be absolute cancer. Jared McCann, I, I mean, I've never – he played here for three years, and I never heard a peep of him being I was going to say, he's, he's, one of, he's one of your guys, you mm-hmm. know, he's, and – I mean, like you, you know, he's like like you said, Ian. You know, Vancouver, Florida, Pittsburgh, now Toronto. Assuming he stays there, mm-hmm. it, he has bounced around a lot. But like you said, I think it just ends up to being a situation where it's like, yeah, you're a good player, but you're not as good as the players we want to keep. And so I feel like he ends up becoming a, a victim of, in that respect. You know what I mean? Like sure. I think, like I, I. I I think he was run out of Vancouver unjustly. I mean, oh, I, absolutely. I, there. I yep. still think about that trade. Like you gave up McCann for Eric. You gave up McCann, you know, less than two years after you drafted him for Eric Goodbranson. Like again, like I said with Justin Hall, Eric Goodbranson's grow on trees. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and same thing. Florida kind of ran him out the door as well. But you know what? You look at where he's been and okay, maybe he's not going to wow you with the offense. You know, he's not a 60-point guy, at least not yet. But he's wherever he's gone, he's played well. And I, as I said, he's a versatile guy. He, you know, was the Penguin, Penguins' third-line center and also played on the wing when Malkin was hurt. He jumped up, played second center. He played on the wing with Crosby. Like, you, 32 GMs would kill to have a player with that level of versatility. For sure. Um, last thing on the list, Barkley Goodrow, former shark goes to the New York Rangers for a 2022 seventh round pick. Obviously that is just as negotiating rights before people are like, man, Doug Wilson got a first and New York <laughs> Rangers only gave up a seventh. Like, yeah, no, that's not how this works. Um, well, and real quick word on the street is that Goodrow and the Rangers are close to an extension and it could be something in the neighborhood of a six year extension. That's bonkers which is yeah what are, you, what are you guys thinking on that are you thinking like three million a year i i was gonna say when i read six-year extension the immediate comp- comparable that came to my main to my mind was cali yarn you know yeah, at the, his yeah his deal maybe a little more than two million but somewhere yeah. like that like if you're gonna give him six years it's it's gotta be a, a lower number it's like if the Rangers were to be like, yeah, five million, I take it. You know, Martin Lapointe Jr. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, Bart, yeah, the, there were actually a lot of ex Sharks in the in the news over the last couple of days. I mean, obviously the Aiden Hill trade, 
Barkley, Goodrow, and Nick DeSimone were both traded in separate deals to the Rangers and both impending UFAs, but I think both will end up re-signing there. Frederick Clayson re-signed with Tampa Bay. Remember, he was a shark. I completely forgot till he lifted the cup. <laughs> uh, there were a couple other guys uh, as well. and we will. Don't worry, folks. This is called Teal Tinted Glasses, and uh, it's not because... Ian's got teal stuff in the background, and I'm wearing a shirt. We will actually speak about the Sharks at some point. Yeah, it's next. Um, here's my thing on Barkley Goodrow, and I'm going to make people angry because I know people love Barkley Goodrow. I love Barkley Goodrow, but here's the problem I have with Barkley Goodrow. Barkley Goodrow is given it's all with the Barracuda. That's my problem with Barracuda. <laughs> my 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 problem not my problem with Barkley Goodrow per se. I just think he's going to get massively overpaid. For, I, I don't think he's the guy on that line that you should pay. Blake Coleman's the guy on that line that you should pay, not Barkley Goodrow. And that's what I'm just curious to see. I, I just, I don't. Again, I like Barkley Goodrow. Um, I'm, you know, I'm happy for him. He won a Stanley Cup twice. Um, good on him, right? But I'm just nervous the team, and I, I'm. It's not going to be the Sharks, but I think a team's going to pay him more than they probably should for a guy who he's not the he, he's a part he's the part he's not the sum of the parts that's my opinion on on that i think it's i think it's well said and and tampa bay potentially could lose their entire third line because yeah. i've got yanni gord going to seattle in expansion unless tampa pulls a side deal with it which i think is very well possible i i will uh, uh, I, I, and I think Tampa Bay should, but uh, I got Yanni Gord going. Blake Coleman should get paid in free agency, and Barkley Goodrow is already a Ranger for right now. So, wow. <laughs> yeah. All right. So let's talk some sharks because I mean we've been here long enough. I mean we got we got enough to cover. Okay. So let's start with um, obviously bef- obviously in order to get. Uh, compliant for the expansion draft. The Sharks needed to sign a forward. Dylan Gambrell gets a one-year deal for $1.1 million. What say you? I think it's... uh, Here's a little bit extra for helping us out. And Look, it's not a big secret. I mean, I'm a fan of Dylan Gambrell. I generally like him as a player. But $1.1 million? That's a pretty incredible for a fourth line center. Um, so I, I think it's a, it's, it's an inflated number just based on the fact that they need a forward to expose that said, maybe, maybe Gambrell, you know, he obviously hadn't from two years ago to last year, he obviously improved. Maybe he improves again this year and he's worth the contract, but I would say right now, probably not, but I don't know. It, it's for one year, so even though the dollar amount is a bit suspect to me, I'm not really gonna. You know, I'll still sleep eight hours tonight. So it's it's a shade over one million, and he's to me it's only a couple hundred thousand more than what I probably would like him to be signed for. Um, but you also have to consider that Gambrell is exposed in the expansion draft. So you're also trying to add a little bit of extra dollars to convince uh, Seattle to not take him in the draft. And then, as you said, 
Gambrell's camp knew, that, I'm sure they knew, that the Sharks needed to sign someone or bring in someone to get compliant for the expansion draft. So you asked for a little bit more. That's how Gambrell ends up with $1.1 million. Um, it's not the best. It's not the worst. And if Gambrell doesn't meet even a $1.1 million contract, he probably ends up not being tendered an offer next year. So one yeah. mil- one year, I'm fine with that. I'll say, you know, Gambrell's agent, Scott Norton, who, cheap plug, follows me on Twitter, oh, but whatever. A WCW wrestler? <laughs> no, you know, Gambrell's agent who follows me on Twitter, but that's beside the point. Oh, wow. Um, mm-hmm. uh, good, uh, good handiwork on his part, I would say. Because, um, like you said, Kevin, he could have easily just been like, well, you know what? They want to give us a QO. Um, I think we should take it. But no, he... You know, I'm assuming he told the Sharks, you need him. More money. Mm-hmm. So, and they do. Yeah, props. Yeah, I, I don't... I, I'm going to circle back to this after we talk about about the trade, too. I, I don't... The term's fine. Like, one year, whatever. The, the money's a little much, but is it so much that I think, like, we should burn down SAP? No. Like, like Jerk said, am, am I going to sleep tonight? Fine. Yeah, of course I am. Like it's not that worth getting bent out of shape, and maybe Seattle takes them. I don't. I, I don't know. I, I don't think so. But um, I think you made him. I think he's a little less appealing at that dollar amount. Yeah. Um, but it's not like it's not a completely egregious. And I'm, but I, but I am going to circle back to this because I have I have a bigger point that I'm going to make later. So I do I love the money? No. Do I absolutely? Is it from on a scale of one, you know, on a scale of one to Martin Jones, how angry am I at three? <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't know. So here, so moving on, um, obviously this is a trade that happened yesterday. The Sharks traded the 2020 second, uh, 2020 second round pick and Joseph Kozanash to Arizona for Aiden Hill. Uh, go ahead, guys. I was going to say, this is Kevin's topic. <laughs> <laughs> What makes you think that? <laughs> was, it be- was it because I said it on the last episode of Teal Tinted Glasses? Or was it because I dropped the mic on Twitter about I was, this? I was going to say, it's because you you walked up you walked up to the porta potty that is Shark's Twitter and you threw, <laughs> and you threw a grenade in there. Uh, so, I'd say, floor is yours, Kevin. Alright, here... You know, if you really want, like, my full analysis on the Aiden Hill trade, I encourage you to have a look at the Teal Town USA YouTube library or our website, tealtownusa.com, and have a look at our Teal Town live show that we did yesterday recapping this very trade. Uh, but I think uh, for, for my short points, I think that Aiden Hill... Uh, has a lot to offer for the Sharks. Do I think he's the, the guy? No, I don't think he's the guy. I don't think he's the solution, but I think he is a step in the right direction, and there are more pieces that need to be added, more changes that need to be made in order to right the ship. But I do think that Aiden Hill, being a 25-year-old goalie with nothing left to prove in the minor leagues and ready to take a step forward in the NHL. Isn't that what you want for uh, a roster that has Logan Couture, 
a contract expiring Tomash Hurdle, Evander Kane, Eric Carlson, Brent Burns, like Vlasic, even Martin Jones. You know, like these players are all here on the Sharks to win right now. Whether they can or not, I think we're all in disagreement on that. But with Aiden Hill, you've got a guy, he hasn't proven that he can't do it. He just hasn't proven that he can do it either at the NHL level. So give the guy a shot. If he falters, whatever. Too bad, we move on to the next. Because by the time that Aiden Hill falters, that's when you're going to be wanting to bring in another goalie anyway. Because in theory, that's when the Sharks will be ready to start contending again. Or the flip side is when the Sharks are ready to start contending again, Aiden Hill is the man and ready to play playoff games. Like you have to let him settle into the starting role. If, if Hill really is the starter of the future for the Sharks, you have to let him settle into that role. I do have a concern that because the Sharks have been a dumpster fire defensively the last two years, Maybe Hill doesn't get a fair assessment because he's facing 40 shots a night from this porous defense. That's my big concern. And then it it truly becomes, what are you doing, Doug Wilson? This guy can't stop a puck, blah, blah, blah. He's Martin Jones light, you know, something to that effect. So there is is an upside. There is a downside to all of this. But we have to let it play out. So Sharks fans, calm down. You wanted another goalie. The Sharks got another goalie. He's got upside. So it wasn't a 36-year-old goalie that we picked up from from unrestricted free agency or something like that. Yes, it cost us a second-round pick, but we have plenty of prospects. We're bringing in more prospects. So if the second-round pick that we traded is the end of the world, then I'm sorry you will never, ever be satisfied as a Sharks fan. I don't think Sharks fan and Satisfied belong together, personally. (laughs) (laughs) No, you're, Kevin, you're absolutely right. I mean, like, you, and you've made the point, I made the point, where it's like, use that, draft a player with that second, and hopefully they make a save for you in 2028, or trade it, see what you got in Aiden Hill. And it's a small sample size, incredibly small sample size. But the last three years, Aiden Hill has played better than Martin Jones. Yeah. I mean, that's science. Like, that's a real thing that happened. So maybe you give him more starts and it doesn't work out. But what if you give him more starts and it does work out? So, and, and Vince G bringing up the high danger save percentage, which I thought was interesting that Doug Wilson actually mentioned that in the, uh, media availability you know um i guess he knows that the sharks are notorious for allowing those so good self-awareness so here's my thing right like did i did i love this trade when i heard it no i I think my reaction was this team is run by morons your reaction to my my proposal of acquiring aiden hill last week was pretty lukewarm (laughs) oh i was not excited at all here's the problem and this I know and me and Kevin differ on this and I, I appreciate that and I differ this on this with a lot of Sharks fans my play is you have to buy out Martin Jones and so getting my my play I always thought that Yosef Kozinach was going to back up whoever the Sharks brought in Yosef Kozinach going out and Aiden Hill coming back in for a second makes me a little nervous because 
is Martin Jones staying? Because if Martin Jones is staying and you're only upgrading your backup or your 1B, which I think is what Aiden Hill caps out as a 1B, I, I don't know if that's worth the capital that you just sent out, right? Like, that's the thing. And the, for me, it really, it's going to, I need the other shoe to fall. I need to know what the what the plan is. If if this is just Aiden Hill and Martin Jones next year, I think this is an awful deal. Because I don't think you got I, I'm not a big I'm not I, I wasn't big on the upside of Yosef Kozanash. But I don't think Aiden Hill's significantly better that you needed to chip out Kozanash and a second to make that switch, right? It really so it really depends on what happens with Martin Jones. If Martin Jones is bought out and the plan is still to bring in another goalie, fine. That's great. You know what? A better tandem. I, I have no faith in Martin Jones at this point. Now I understand the argument to not buy out Martin Jones, and we're gonna discuss that in a minute. But for me, and this comes back to the Gambrell thing, because again, even if even if the, you you buy out Martin Jones and you do everything I want, and you bring in another goalie and they tandem. It's it's an okay trade. It's an okay signing. Okay, okay, okay adds up over time. It's it kind of like what I said, like with, with Vegas kind of just continuously swinging to try and, and hit their window. It's death by a thousand cuts. And I think that's what really concerns me with Doug Wilson is it's not like when's... Like, I think the last time I thought he hit something out of the park was... Coincidentally, the Barkley Goodrow trade absolutely hit that out of the park. A first round pick for Barkley Goodrow, stupid, stupid good. I'd do that a hundred times. But other than that, the the times where I feel like Doug Wilson absolutely murders it, man, those that's getting few and far between, far less frequent than it used to be. And to me, that's what concerns me as a Sharks fan. I, excellent points. Excellent points. Jerk, do you have anything to add on this? No, I, I I think you guys did a pretty pretty solid job at explaining it. The one thing I did kind of latch on to was, you know, Ian, you were saying people sort of go back and forth on whether or not you need to buy out Martin Jones. And the thing is, I agree with you. The Sharks do need to buy out Martin Jones because whether <laughs> whether any of us like it or agree with it, to Kevin's point... The Sharks are built to try to win the Stanley yeah. Cup. That, that They're not built to win. They're built to try. And you don't try to win a Stanley Cup when you have the 62nd best goalie out of 62. <laughs> <laughs> that's Just fair. saying. Yeah, no, no, no. That's, that's a great, it's a great point. Um, I do think that it is surprising to me that... Kojanash was included in the deal, um, but I, I did talk about yesterday. I'm not. I'm really not going to get go down this hole. But I, I did say, you know, if, if Hill's the guy, then Kojanash is irrelevant. And I also think that from an Arizona standpoint, uh, Kojanash was exposed, and mm-hmm. I actually think Seattle's taking him. So Kojanash is a complete moot point from this trade. So I think it's just straight up Hill for the second, and the Sharks used Kojanash as a sweetener just to say, hey, here's here's who you can lose in the expansion draft so you don't have to lose anyone else kind of thing. Um, 
I do res- I do like your point, Ian, about Jones being uh, you know Jones and Hill both being one Bs basically. Like mm-hmm. who's the who's gonna take the reins here? And if Hill doesn't take the reins, especially if Hill only gets maybe twenty games this year, like if Jones ends up starting sixty games, this trade is a failure. Mm-hmm. Like this trade is contingent on Hill playing at least half the games for the Sharks this year, if not more. Like I think fifty would be a, a, a good number for a guy going coming into his first full time NHL gig. Um can the Sharks survive on thirty games of Jones? Maybe if Jones gets gets it together between the he, you know between the ears, because I really think that Jones's problem is his mental game. I I think he he has the athletic ability and and the the positioning and the wherewithal to stop the puck, but I think he is mentally fragile beyond belief, and I think that that's that's why we've seen him falter i think that he's heard the outcries from the fans and from within the organization and from teammates and and the media and everything and i think he's let it all get into his head and i don't know if he's ever coming back from that um and that's why the sharks need to get aiden hill as many games as they can um but you're you're totally right in that if jones ends up beating out hill for playing time then this trade really is a failure i just i just i don't i don't think the sharks will let it get to that but if it does oh boy go ahead i was just i we obviously are not going to get into this but you said you said it's more jones's mental game than anything with his actual performance i do agree i think mental game has a lot to do with it but there's a couple things uh of jones's positioning specifically his urgency in making a save that i that make me want to disagree with you like i think it's a i think he is a and i don't know what changed but i think his whatever term you want to use his play his performance i think it's a flawed model because too many times and how many times do we see oh you know jones makes these insane saves and then Let's in a beach ball from the blue line. And yeah. I just, I think, you know, mental game is a part of it. I, I think he's, it's a, if you're, if you're looking at goaltenders like cars, I think it's a flawed model and I would return it to the dealership. Look at the, look at the basketball player. I don't know. I don't follow basketball, so I don't know the name of the player, but the basketball player for the Milwaukee Bucks, Bucks had, had this amazing interview the other day uh, where they were talking about, uh, living in the past, living in in the present, and living in the future, and anticipating uh, your upcoming games, your upcoming performances, and I think that talking about Martin Jones, maybe he gets too wrapped up in, oh, I made I made this big save. Oh crap, I forgot to make the next one. Like, but, but Kevin, twenty sixteen. <laughs> I still make that trade. I still make that trade all day because I'm sorry, but. Trading the pick that became Trent Frederick for Martin Jones. I I I, I will. I, you know what? And look at. I mean, there there doesn't get to be a guy who hates Martin Jones much more than I do. But that that was the market at the time. Like, look at the other trades that were made at that time. That was the market. Well, and you and, call, you you called it Ian way back, and I'm I'm like eighty percent sure 
on the Pucknology free agency show when the Sharks acquired Martin Jones, I'm pretty sure you said, don't be surprised if this doesn't go the way we wanted to. You were you were mm-hmm. like the first person to say, "Hey, whoa, let's pump the brakes on the Jones is elite conversation." Oh, I mean, there was there was not much of a sample size there. I mean, here's the thing, right? And, and like, I understand, like, just because I'm I'm seeing a lot, of, obviously, in the chat here about you know, obviously, it's like you have to buy out Jones because you can't like, and and this is the problem, like, and this is why I'm so set on the fact that Jones is getting bought out because. It, and maybe I'm the idiot because I take what this team says at face value. Hmm. And maybe that makes me the idiot, right? Because, like, I agree. It's like if you're if you're trying to sell the fact that you're going to try and be a playoff team in this division next year, I can't see how you do that, Jones. If your plan is to suck, then whatever. I then then the the keep Jones arguments makes complete sense at that point. If your plan is to suck, sure. Then at that point, you know, the, I mean, the big argument for why you don't buy a Martin Jones is don't turn a three-year problem into a six-year problem. I get that if that's your plan, but I don't think that's the plan, which means you have to buy a Jones. I think I think your argument is spot on. <laughs> right, like, and I don't think you can you can't bury him. Like I, I I've seen on Twitter like burying him in the minors. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Enjoy your nine hundred thousand of cap space. Well, here's the thing, right? So, so here's here's your here's your Martin Jones buyout. Uh, twenty one, twenty two. It costs you one point nine million against the salary cap. Twenty two, twenty three, two point four one six million against salary cap. Twenty three, twenty four, two point nine. A little rich, but I mean, compared to some of these other buyouts we just read off, peanuts. And then from 25 to 27, it's 1.6 million. Now, the Sharks obviously do have a lot of heavy contracts they can't move and not a lot of cap flexibility. So I get the argument. But if you were to bury him, you're in 21-22, you're spending an additional 20, uh, 2.709 million against the cap. 22-23, 2.209 million additional in addition to your what in addition to what you would have spent in the buyout. Like it doesn't make any sense. Twenty three, twenty four, one point seven oh nine in addition to what you would have spent in the buyout, and then obviously you save the one point six in the last three years of, of what would be the buyout. Like well, it just you, you have to buy a motor, you have to play him. There's no, there's no. Well, we'll just stuff him in the minors because and, <laughs> it's it's only you know it's it's what one point one two five this year million you can hide in the minors. That's it. Well, and also too the thing that kind of kills me is. So and there's all this talk. Oh, you know, Martin Jones. You know, it's it's rotten to the core. It's a spoiled fruit. We need to get get rid of it. Just you know. But then those same people are saying, "Oh, send him to the CUDA to develop and and push Melnichuk." It's like you want no. this rot. You want this rotten fruit mentoring your goalie in the AHL. Like I don't really want him stealing starts. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. You know, and it, it's it's the same people who say, oh, the Sharks are going to suck this year. And then they get pissy when they lose. It's like they, they proved you right. What's the problem? <laughs> no <laughs> doubt. That's uh, kind of changing direction. But that's where I went with my Kojanash trade mm-hmm. or my Kojanash tweet in the afternoon yesterday, which is why is everyone up in arms about Yosef Kojanash being traded? Three years ago, no one except for, I think... 
me and maybe his family knew who the hell he was. <laughs> and then the next year it was trade Jones and Dell. He should be the shark starter after having a half good year in the AHL. And then the next year it was he's trash. Bring him all to Chuck. And now it's Doug Wilson. What are you doing? Uh, like a little too hot and cold for, for my liking there. All um, right. Uh, let Aiden me get to the – oh, go ahead. I, Sorry. Go ahead. I, I want to mention one thing with Aiden Hill too because the whole, the whole second-round pick is too much and all that. And, and again, my tweet kind of sums up my thoughts on that. But another thing is Aiden Hill is a former third-round pick. Mm-hmm. So you're only trading up one round, trading a second-round pick. You're, you're, you're moving out up one round to get six years' worth of development out of this guy. So – to me, that's fine. Again, to everything else Ian brought up, I think excellent points, though. Like, there, there is definitely bar beware on this, but I think the trade was necessary, and the Sharks have a new young goalie who can push for time right now and hopefully push Jones out of the way altogether. Yeah, I mean, let's let's see where the other shoe falls because that's I can't really make a final say on this until I know what that other shoe dropping is. Uh, so stay tuned because we'll obviously talk about it when it happens. Um, obviously, so we are now going to talk about the expansion draft. Um, so let's take a look at the Sharks protected list. Uh, the Sharks protected list consists of forwards, Rudolph Balsers, Logan Couture, Jonathan Dolan, Tomas Hurdle, Evander Kane, Kevin LeBanc, Timo Meyer only once. Uh, for those that caught that on my... Uh... <laughs> On my Twitter. Uh, the defensemen are Brent Burns, Eric Carlson, Mark Edward Vlasic. The goaltender is the newly acquired um, Aiden Hill. Um, before I get to the who's exposed, uh, I have a couple of things I guess I want to ask um, because I know it's going to come up in the chat. Um, are you guys surprised that the Sharks didn't dangle any money considering that they have a few little salary cap log jams in there? I mean, they can dangle the money all they want, but why would Seattle take it? And and that's that 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 opens a whole nother conversation where you know, and there were a lot of people replying, you know, to Kevin Kerr's earlier this morning saying, Well, why didn't they expose Burns? Why didn't they expose Jones? It's like okay, exposing the player, that doesn't mean they're gone. Like if that was the case, like you expose everybody. Right. Like so I don't know, that's just I thought that killed me. I mean I, I feel like it would have been, you know, the Sharks are already in a position where they need to be calculated with their future assets, either using them or trading them for more ready future assets like the Aiden Hill trade. So to give up what it would cost to get Seattle to take one of these contracts, it's just not worth it, no matter what. In my opinion, anyway. Anything you want to add to that, Kevin? I think I, I, I will I will add this. The only contracts that I think you would want to get out from under aren't ones that you could have exposed anyway. Because to me, I'm not Moving. exposing one of those forwards. The only guy that I would remotely I, I might even throw Seattle as Wheatner to take is Mark Edward Vlasic. Mm-hmm. And he wasn't gonna wave. Um which, that, go ahead. I was just gonna say, like say what you want about Burns and Carlson like they still give you something yeah it's not what you need 
And I still think like if you, something. I still think someone will, you could get assets for Burns. You could get mm-hmm. assets for Evander Kane. You could get us assets for Logan Couture. You'd have a hard time getting something for Mark Edward Vlasic at this point. Yeah. Um, it's going to be that Andrew Ladd trade times 10. Yeah. So obviously the, the guys that are available for the Kraken are Ryan Donato. Um, and obviously some of these guys are UFAs or RFAs, um, but I'm not going to specify here. Uh, Curtis Gabriel. Dylan Gambrell, uh, Jaden Helbigawatz, uh, Maxim Latunov, Patrick Marlowe, Matt Nieto, Marcus Sorensen, Alexander True, uh, Martin Jones, obviously in goal, Kristen Jaros, Nicholas Malosh, Jacob Middleton, uh, Greg Pastrin, and Radam Shimik on the blue line. Um, are you guys, I, I guess my question here is, is there any, is, out of these guys that are available, would you guys, because this was asked in the chat also, would you guys put a sweetener to put Seattle on any of these players? No. I don't think the Sharks have the assets to be throwing around sweeteners for anything. I do understand the urgency of getting rid of some of these contracts, but the bottom line is the types of sweeteners that Seattle wants is not remotely close to what the Sharks can afford to give up both in terms of assets and what the, sh- the, the the types of assets the Sharks need to keep in order to get through the Jones contract, get through the Vlasic contract and things like that. Like, I don't think that helps helps the Sharks out whatsoever. Um, getting getting rid of them with the sweeteners or, or keeping them. I think the Sharks are in no man's land uh, regarding this. So I, I, I think you just have to... to stay the course and and hope a few things uh figure themselves out again aiden hill comes in maybe a couple of other free agents but i you're we're also talking about helping a divisional rival in seattle out with giving them sweeteners like yeah all they'll probably end up doing is just flipping vlasic or buying now jones or whatever like like seattle is in the driver's seat 100 percent on this so the sharks I just don't think the price is worth it. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, I I don't think that I, there's nothing here. Like, there's nothing on this list that to me says, like, I'm not losing sleep over any of these guys getting taken. You take Dylan no. Gambrell. Oh, no. You took our fourth line center. Like, I can't find another fourth line center. No problem. Big deal. They take Ryan Donato. Ryan Donato's probably not getting qualified anyway. Right. Right, like the Sharks weren't going to qualify Donato anyway, so maybe they don't qualify him, and maybe you know Doug Wilson is is ruthless, so maybe you know, like if he doesn't get taken, maybe he doesn't get qualified and he comes back for for a really cheap deal. But I mean, he's not coming; he's not going to get what he gets qualified for. I mean, and then you know Alex Drew or any of the other guys. Like I just, Radim Shimmick is the only guy cap wise that I think Seattle might sniff at, and I with that injury history, I. I want nothing to do with that. I think there's better defensemen available in the expansion draft that are probably yeah, exactly. more cost effective. Exactly that. There are much better defensemen than Redeem Shimmick without without the baggage, um, with you know the injury history and stuff uh, that are available. So that's that's why I picked Seattle to, and have been saying they'll take Alex True from the Sharks because you pick up a young 23 year old forward, not a lot of upside, mm-hmm. but you already know Gambrell's a guy. Yeah. You already know Nieto's a guy, a good defensive 
forward, but Seattle is going to have plenty of defensive forwards for to, to to pick from. So go with the. It's kind of like the Aiden Hill thing. He hasn't proven he can't play in the NHL yet. Mm-hmm. So uh, to me, Seattle just takes like Alex True, goes with with a young guy, inexpensive, and if he doesn't work out, whatever, no sweat on there. AJ brought up in the chat like it's like. It's like David Shlemko, how the Sharks uh, lost David yep. Shlemko. Oh, big deal to Vegas. One thing that D- Doug Wilson isn't getting credit of, uh, I don't know if it's uh, if it's a good thing or a bad thing, depending on how the Sharks were situated in each year's, maybe a little bit of luck, but the Sharks definitely are one of the worst affected or, or, or least affected teams by both expansion drafts yeah. around the league. I just think you mentioned Alex True, uh, Kevin, and and I think what people tend to forget is, you know, the the Kraken they they have to pick thirty players. Obviously, they're one. Vegas is not involved, mm-hmm. so they have to pick thirty players. When you're playing a game in the NHL, you can only have twenty guys wearing a uniform. That's ten so players. That, exactly. No, that's what I'm saying. And so you're going to need healthy scratch guys. You're going to need guys for, you know, the Palm Springs Hockey Club. Maybe Alexander True is one of those guys where you say, hey, you know what? Maybe he makes the NHL. Maybe he doesn't. Best ca- Worst case scenario, he fills out our farm team. Yeah, he goes to Charlotte for until they move to Palm Springs, right? Because it's Charlotte for the next year. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. So um, obviously – everyone's been having fun with the uh mock draft simulator and we definitely had our fun as well um i am going to start here with mr kevin lacy's team kevin i'm gonna put your team up on the screen and you are gonna give us a rundown on maybe just if you want to touch on why you picked certain guys go ahead okie dokie so if you guys are watching on the screen right now, you can see uh, w- what my team is. Uh, certainly a different team than what I posted on my Twitter account last night before the lists came out. I wanted to kind of do a, a, a pre and a post. Um, the one consistency that I had is that Vladimir Tarasenko uh, was available regardless. Uh, he was a guy that I figured St. Louis would leave exposed no matter what, um, even before the trade demands, just because of his injury history and salary and everything like that. And so Vladimir Tarasenko is a guy that I think, even even though he does have that injury history, and Vince Dunn being dangled by St. Louis, that was like my main point of contention bet- for myself, ugh, was Vince Dunn or Vladimir Tarasenko, defense or offense here. And I went with Tarasenko because snipers don't grow on trees. Neither do young offensive mobile defensemen. However, I mean, think about this. If Tarasenko was to go to another team and then Seattle, who I think is going to have a tough time generating scoring from from the forwards, you know, what's that trade cost going to be for Seattle down? To get a guy like Tarasenko. Let me so, let me stop you for a second because I realized like there is audio. So let me read off your off your roster here quick, and then I'll let you continue. Well, I was gonna get to oh, that, okay. but I wanted to lead off with Sorry. Tarasenko. There. 
Yep, yep, yep. So, um, but to to round out my roster, and I'm only, I'm only going to go through the the big names here for those of you on the audio. But I do have Josh Bailey, former shark Chris Tierney. There's going to be a lot of former sharks on here. I believe I have eight in total, <laughs> and that was not by design. And I guess that shows teal tinted glasses for the win. There you go. It really is. But, yeah, Josh Bailey from the Islanders and Chris Tierney. I also have Callie Yarncroke from Nashville. Um, then I do have quite a few younger forwards. I mentioned Alex True. Tyler Benson, who's been great for Bakersfield the last few years, who I cannot believe Edmonton uh, left exposed because apparently Zach Cassian and Josh Archibald are more important than Cooper Marodi and Tyler Benson. I do not understand that. Um, but there are some other big name forwards. I mentioned Yanni Gord earlier in the show. Jonas Donskoy got exposed because Colorado did some weird things uh, with their. I couldn't believe they protected Burakovsky in that contract. Um, but the other forward name I want to bring up is Frank Vetrano, who is a Florida Panther. Well, now, we know that Florida is essentially going to be giving up Chris Dreger to Seattle, the goalie. So Florida can't possibly lose Frank Vitrano to to Seattle. However, for me, when you look down on the list and you see Carey Price available as a goalie for Montreal, and let's, let's knock off the so-called knee injury that got reported here this evening yeah. uh, by the Montreal media, because I think that's Montreal going, oops, me, we didn't know you'd actually consider taking Carey Price in in expansion. We gotta we gotta come up with some BS here. Um, I think you see Carey Price and say, hmm, Chris Dreger as our franchise goalie, or Carey Price, who grew up in the WHL, has his ties, his family out there, like big ticket big money name one of the best goalies in nhl history like that's the guy you go so even though we pretty much know dreger's there i say go you you, you knock him out of the way frank vetrano is a scoring forward there and uh, you get carry price anyway on defense i think their defense is stacked this is really where uh ron francis likes to build out his teams anyway he did it with carolina i do have shane gosta spare uh, which Philadelphia will love them long time for that because they have really, really wanted to get rid of him for a long time. But he's kind of the offensive go-to because Tarasenko uh, is on the team. They obviously don't get Vince Dunn. You bring in Gostas Bear for the offensive ability. Brendan Dillon, former Seattle Thunderbirds on there. And he's paired with Dylan DeMello. Dilly Dilly back now with Seattle. Um, and then Travis Dermott, I mentioned. I think that's the guy who t- they need to get from Toronto. Jeremy Lazon, another defensive defenseman. And then some really good young defensive talent in Kale Clegg, Jake Bean. Because Carolina, oh boy, Morgan Geeky or Jake Bean. Who do you pick there? I went with Jake Bean. How could you not? Although, jerk. Uh, did go the other route, so I will be asking him on that. And then Josh Maher is another really good young defenseman who Anaheim is forced to let go. So um, that's that's my pick. And, of course, Yosef Kojanash uh, really gets that, that Mike Hoffman kind of treatment in Arizona. He gets taken because Arizona has pretty much no one else worth taking because their minor league system sucked this year. 
so Yosef Kojanesh goes to Seattle, but he's the third string goalie because Kapo Kakanen inexplicably was also exposed by Minnesota. Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to post these on on the website as well. Um, but uh, I, I I dig it. I think there's like uh, there's there's a lot obviously on the list that I like. Um, a lot of things I think that I did too. But there's there's definitely a lot there. Uh, Jerk, I'm going to let you go next. Uh, go ahead, my friend. We may have lost Jerk for Uh-oh. a moment. In no, the- I'm still I'm still here. I just muted oh. myself. Oh. <laughs> I, I I didn't I didn't want to interrupt Kevin. Uh, so there were a couple different ways I was thinking about this. You know, I wanted to put together a competitive team while also obviously navigating the salary cap, but keeping guys like trying to blend everything. Get some young players. Get some veteran players. Some guys who you know the guys in the middle in their primes will will be around for a while. You know, and so I'll. I'll go goaltending. Now, you may look at the goaltending and you think, yikes, you want to be a competitive team with that? But I I, I agree with Kevin, what he said about Yosef Koronash. I mean, he's the third the third goalie, obviously. He can be the goalie for the Palm Springs Hockey Club, worst-case scenario. Um, Capo Kakinen being exposed, I mean, what a tasty treat that was. I don't know what yeah. Minnesota is doing. Um, and then Chris Drieger only because... It's kind of the worst kept secret that he's going there anyway, so I figured I would just play ball on that, you know, that part. Um, on the defense, you know, I I kind of have the same mindset as Kevin, where I think a new environment for Shane Gossespierre I think would do him wonders. I mean, he's got talent, and you'll see a lot of that. There's with my uh, list. There's a couple guys where it's like new city. Hopefully, gets the juices rolling a little bit more. Like guys like Shane Gossespierre, Will Butcher comes to mind Marcus Pedersen who I think is a good defenseman but has kind of fallen you know seems to have fallen by the wayside in Pittsburgh a little bit um so yeah, there's no real studs on the blue line but I think all three of those guys and then obviously Dylan DeMello to round it out you know I just think those guys they're good reliable reliable defensemen they can play 20 minutes a night they'll do everything you need to do block shots stick check blah 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 all that good stuff and Wanting to get some good young guys, that's why you see like a, Yuka, a Lucas Johansson, a Dennis Chalowski, Kale Clegg, Lozon. Like these are guys who should be pushing for NHL spots now, but they can also uh, Lozon not really because he's an NHL defenseman, but specifically Keg, Clegg, Chalowski, Johansson, um, even Shillington. Like these are guys who, if they don't work out, they can go to your farm club because mm-hmm. you don't like, you know. You don't you don't want your AHL team to just be loners from everybody else. You know you want to have some form of an imprint there. And then for the forwards, I I think I maybe went a little too crazy with the talent that's there. But same kind of thing. You know Duchesne, Tarasenko, uh, Henrique, Eber, or I'm sorry, Druan, Domi. Like these are guys who I think get them a new city, new line mates, new systems, new everything. Maybe you you can get some things cooking. And I think. Specifically, Matt Duchesne. I think Matt Duchesne is a hell of a player, and you know he just ended up in Nashville, which is where offense goes to die, as we say on this show. Um, and then you get some. I mean, I have to say, Kevin, <laughs> you got to taking Jared McCann, easy decision. Even aside from the fact of how much I love this player, easy decision. So, you know, but guys like McCann, Donskoy, Ryan Donato, um, you know, these are guys who. They're kind of middle of the road, like maybe third line guys, but 
in an injury situation, power play, you want to switch it up. You can, you, there's a lot of flexibility with the roster. You can move them around and sort of see what works and what doesn't. And obviously there are more NHL players than NHL spots. So the idea is maybe you trade some for futures or maybe you can pluck three, four, five of these pieces along with some draft picks. Maybe you swing for like a Jack Eichel. That's just a random thought I had, but then, you know, again, keeping with the theme, filling out a farm team, getting some young players, Vitaly Abramov, Coland, Geeky, Gaudet, these guys, like, they should be pushing for NHL spots, but if they don't, stash them on the farm. And it, it, it's good to have, you know, obviously the NHL team, they win you championships, they make you money, but you want to have a good system top to bottom, and that includes your farm team. So... That's kind of I, I I sort of had like eight different schools of thoughts when picking this team, <laughs> as you can see. Um, so yeah, I, I think the goal the Pacific Division is not really super competitive this year, so that's why I'm I'm leaning more towards going after some established for players specifically at forward. But also, you know, you don't want into a get a, get into a situation where it's like you you don't i at least i don't feel that you want that turnover like you want to be like yeah this is our team and we're sticking with them and these are going to be the guys who are going to be here for i don't know 3 to 5 years as opposed to yeah we got all these guys like vegas we got all these guys and now they're all gone you know so that's kind of where i was going with it i dig it all right i am going to throw up mine now um I, i'm going to say mine I did have to rush a little bit more than I wanted to to get this done um, just because I was in the car a lot of the day. Um, so um, I I have a few things here. Um, I kind of, same with Jerk, I have uh, Ryan Johansson on my list for kind of the same reason. I feel like he's a guy who in a different situation should do really well. Um, and I feel like um, I like Ryan Johansson a little more than I like Matt Duchesne, but it was kind of between the two of them. Um, I really like Jordan Eberle. I think he's a guy who would, um, fit really well. Um, Tarasenko, obviously I took because I think him being available, um, again, like there's, you're going to have decent, uh, you know, this team's going to have decent offensive prowess, I think, based on what's available. Because again, you look at the guys that are available and we haven't even gotten into the take this guy. So I don't, you know, take this guy and this guy, please. Like we haven't even got that stupidity yet. Um, again, I got a few things where I, I've got a few guys that are, are, are there to kind of just be, you know, if, if they work out great, if they don't, not a big deal. Um, I also like Jared McCann. I grabbed Michael Bunting for that reason off Arizona. I think, uh, Michael Bunting's a guy in Arizona. I think flies a little bit under the radar. I also went Mark Giordano. I think the thing with this team that I picked is that with the players available, they have a chance to really just come out of the gate hard in a really crappy Pacific division. Right. But I still think if you look at like the way a lot of these guys are signed and how, you know, they're not, a lot of these guys aren't signed for very long. So you can kind of have your cake and eat it too. You can come out of the gate really hard while still picking up capital and, and being good long-term. Um, I, I did go, the, the hardest thing was, was, goaltending right so i did pick carry price now but when i picked carry price i didn't hear about the knee injury i'm not so sure like again i call bull 
Yeah, and you know what? Here's the thing that surprises me about that a little bit. Like, I'm surprised that Montreal was that upset over the prospect of losing Jake Allen. Because Jake Allen, I mean, I'm sure he's a serviceable backup, but... Like Jake Allen's the guy you want to protect. Is is he going to be the guy you put in a big game? I don't want Jake Allen anywhere near a big game. Jake Allen played zero seconds of the playoffs this year. Right. Um, You know, and then I also took Kakinen and I took Dreger as well. And the reason why I took all three of those guys is because, again, you can take players in the draft and flip them for assets. Someone's going to give you assets for one of those two guys. So either you, you... you know, you have a tandem of Price and Kakinen or Price and Dreger. Like, how do you go wrong there? Um, I, I looked at some of the other goalies available. I just think that there's a lot of risk there. Like, I know Ben Bishop's available, but, like, that that injury history terrifies me. You know, obviously this, you know, Carey Price, again, the the rumor injury, obviously that that's problematic. But I still think, like, Carey Price isn't as great as you know like he hasn't had great seasons but he was the main reason like if Montreal came closer in that Stanley Cup final he's picking up Conn Smythe votes even as the loser if Montreal fares a little better against Tampa and so I don't know it's it's interesting um definitely like there's it's hard I was I was really struggling with the cap because I, I as you see I do have a lot of cap on here and I think that even I'm a little over, but there's there's a lot to like here. Like I've got Madison Bowie, I've got Cal Foot, um, you know. So there's there's definitely guys there that I think could you know still develop into something. I really like Cal Foot, Madison Bowie, maybe not, but but Cal Foot's a guy who could definitely come in and replace some of these guys as they go. Um, Mark Giordano, I think, has a big ticket, but again, if you want to come out of the gate hard like Vegas did, I'm not as scared of one year of Mark Giordano. To me, that's the that's the way uh, that's the way I would go. I don't know. Um, any any thoughts, guys? Well, I wanted to ask you, you how, did, how much how much uh, salary did you did your teams build up? Because mine, I think, only ended up being about fifty nine million. But like, I was listening to, as I mentioned, uh, the Talking Puck podcast before this, and it's it's interesting because the three of us all have different teams. And uh, Mike Haynes and Tom Callahan both have completely different teams. So this is going to go any which way, everyone. <laughs> like you, sure. Seattle's probably going to have a completely different team than what we all have. But a- AO has a really good had, question. They struggled with the cap. So, so, so uh, yeah, I was, I was a little bit over the cap, but when, but there's pending UFAs and RFAs, right? So, I, you know, like you're, I'm over the cap, but until free agency. Um, that I, I'm exactly the same way, and even then, I'm I'm less than two million over the cap. But same thing. Once you get to free agency, I think it once once free it. agency rolls rolls over, I think I'm at seventy million in cap spent. But again, you're gonna flip guys for assets. You're gonna have guys like I took Ryan Donato from the Sharks because that's been my my play the whole time. But I, I, like I said earlier, that's a guy that you don't qualify, and then you circle back to and offer him less. And if he doesn't, and if he's not there, big deal. That's that's true. And they have the the extra days to be able to negotiate that before they even um, hit the open market. Yeah. 
fucking qualified. So. Um, yeah, so I, I'm gonna post these on the uh, I'm gonna post these on the website tiltedglasses.com when we do the post. I'm gonna have all these in there so that you guys, if you want to look at the list, if you're listening only on the audio, just to save me from reading off three lists. We do have a question in the chat. Uh, Ao asking, uh, and I'm gonna ask you each of you the same question um, from the teams you made. Who are your captains, and I'm gonna add who are your alternates. Okay. I'll start. My captain's Brendan Dillon. I know. The the whole Seattle thing. I mean, it worked for Derek England in Vegas, even though he never had the C, which made no sense to me whatsoever. But I think Brendan Dillon's your captain in, 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 with the Kraken with my roster. Your alternates, Josh Bailey's got to be in there. And then... Uh... I don't know about a second alternate. Can I just get by with one? Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> All right. So my captain is Jared McCann. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, <laughs> wow. <laughs> uh, you know what? I am... Man, that's an excellent question. I am... I'm not doing a captain. I'm doing three alternates. Okay. Oh, okay. Dylan DeMello... Uh, Adam Henrique and Blake Como. Now, see, with your Henrique pick, so I, I think Henrique absolutely should be getting an A, and I even considered him for my roster. Um, my, the, my deterrent for Henrique was kind of, kind of like a few of the guys that you picked, like Donato, a guy probably does not get qualified. Dominic, Dominic Cahoon probably doesn't get qualified. Henrique was on waivers three times last season. But the thing is, Henrique was one of the best Ducks last season. So mm-hmm. he definitely has the talent, and it's it's all just a, a money thing. Seattle having the cap space, I could see Adam Henrique going in there, and I think that would be a good play for them. So uh, him being a leader on that team, I, I'm fully behind that. Uh, I, I would also go the three alternate route. Um because I don't know who's going to be on my team past year. I'd have to go back and look at my list to see who's actually going to be here long-term. At first glance, I'd probably make Giordano my captain, but I don't think he's here beyond the first year. So does that make sense? Um, I don't know. Um, but I like for... If I if I would probably go the three alternate route and then see who ends up sticking and then go from there, I would go Mark Giordano, Brandon Dillon, Jordan Eberle. I think that question all depends on the 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 amount of leadership and veterans that each team has. Like I went with a really young team, so I mean, you guys you guys have some more proven leaders on on your squads than I do. So yeah, it all it all depends. I one thing I just noticed on your list, Ian, mm-hmm. you have Michael Bunting. Mm-hmm. The the Coyotes exposed Michael Bunting. Yeah, the reason I asked this is because if they did, I kind of want to ch- make a change on my <laughs> <laughs> because I'm like I'm like if that's the case, then the Kraken should take Michael Bunting, not Kojanash, and then what you do is instead of Will Borgen from the Sabers, you take Dustin Tukarski, who's the only player under contract to to maintain the 20 contracts that seattle does right you pay take him as a contract only and then just let him go off into the sunset Hmm. 
<laughs> See, you guys, and I couldn't even get it in the show without considering changing my roster. That Michael right. Bunting was exposed. What are you? What? Well, you guys, stupid Arizona. Jeez. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean Arizona, the where you know money goes to die. Apparently. Um, hey, were there? Uh, can I ask you guys? Were there any surprises uh, besides like Kakunen and Price, for example? Were there any big surprises on? the exposure list um, for you. Like, for me, I did protect Adam Henrique and let Nick Delorier walk, but apparently all those goals that Henrique scores doesn't matter for Anaheim. I mean, Carey Price. Yeah. Carey Price to protect Jake Allen, like, that to me is just... It's asinine. Um, Go ahead. Kind of an an under-the-radar surprise... I thought, I thought it was surprising to me that Nick Ritchie was exposed. Yeah. Only, only because I feel like this year on Boston he finally started to grow into the NHL player that I think everybody's been expecting him to, and he seemed to really fit well there and take positive steps. So in my head, I'm thinking, okay, Nick Ritchie's finally a player here, yeah. and then they protect you know Kevin's favorite punching bag, Trent Frederick. So I don't know. <laughs> we didn't give full full uh, explanation there. That's my follower, Nick Ritchie, should have been protected over Trent Frederick. <laughs> so you're damn right. <laughs> I don't think Trent Frederick's a bad hockey player, but, but I mean, I just think he's a guy like that. That's like protecting Dylan Gambrell. Why? Why would you do that? Like, I think Nick Ritchie absolutely should have been protected by Boston, but. Yeah, there was just like it's it's stuff like that, right? Like the Carey Price not being exposed doesn't really like bother me, except for you did it for Jake Allen. Yeah. <laughs> like that's that's the part I can't wrap my head around. Like I understand, like getting out from under Price's contract would be would be nice for Montreal. Although, again, like, do you realize how you got to the Stanley Cup final? But I digress. Uh, I mean, I was I was surprised that the I was also surprised that I think like I I expected one of Ryan Johansson or Matt Duchesne to get exposed. I was surprised both got exposed. Like I was surprised Nashville went five defensemen. Yeah, I thought it was, thought it was epic. It, it was <laughs> epic, but it surprised me. Someone someone tweeted at me last night saying, uh, "Why why are you leaving Carrier exposed? Uh, Nashville's taking five defensemen," and I was like, "I." Yes, you could take five defensemen, and then they actually did it. But yeah, they they protected Tanner Janot and Luke Cunning over Matt Duchesne and Ryan Johansson. Yeah. That says burn it to the ground rebuild for me for Nashville. Like, obviously, you're not going to get rid of Yossi, but uh, I, that's that that one's weird for me. What do you guys think about Matt Murray being uh, exposed by Ottawa salary thing? Yeah, Matt Murray's probably. terrible. <laughs> I'm not a big I, Matt Murray guy, but I mean, considering what they they just traded a bunch to get him, and then yeah, yeah. I, they but they have like I I feel like they're a team though that they they're they're the goalie they protected is the guy you protect. Like Matt Murray's a stopgap mm-hmm. until you know, and that's that's my opinion anyway. I I I won't say it was a surprise, but I thought it was very interesting that as a pending UFA, Montreal chose to protect Yoel Armia 
Mm -hmm. it, it, it makes me wonder, like, if maybe, well, a deal in the drawer wouldn't even make sense because you would just leave him exposed then. It makes me wonder if they are grinding away to try and bury him back. But And, and don't get me wrong, I love Yoel Armia, but... I don't know. I, I don't know if I, you if if Seattle if Seattle takes them, can they sign him after that? I know you can't trade back. Uh, well, yes, yeah, because he could. Yeah, because yeah, he's a free he, agent. He, yeah, could, he yeah. could just say, "I don't want to go to Seattle. I'll see you on July 28th. Yeah. So, but I don't know. I, 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 it doesn't surprise me. But I just thought it was very interesting. Like I know people have had words about Jonathan Drouin, myself included. I still saw him getting protected. So, I don't know. I, I like your train of thought about Armia. Just real quick on, on your, your comment there, Ian. Um, mm -hmm. It's that if Seattle signs a player before expansion, a UFA before expansion, they have to pick the player. Oh, okay. But they could take Armia and then negotiate afterwards. For sure. That, there's nothing stopping that. Okay. But I like, your, I like your thought, Hockey Jerk, but for me, it was Philip Deneau. I mm -hmm. had them protecting Philip Deneau for the exact same reason. I mean, a, a key member of that forward group uh, does a little bit of everything, and I thought he'd be protected as a UFA to give them negotiation rights, but it was Armia that they decided to go same route with. So, hmm. All right, so we got to start wrapping Wait, this up. Okay, go ahead. One more. I'm sorry. Yep. One nope, more that's okay. thing. I, I mean, with Eberly and Josh Bailey – there was no way you were going to... Well, actually, yes, there was. Why the hell are the Islanders protecting Clutterbuck and Matt Martin as opposed to Eberly and Bailey? It makes zero yeah. sense to me. Because, and I don't remember what show it was. It was either one show ago or two shows ago. I said, maybe Josh Bailey gets exposed or traded. And Kevin said, no, Josh I Bailey's too... the straw that stirs that yeah. drink. Why he would said, you ever do that? He said, Josh Bailey is too important to that team. And I was like, damn, okay, Kevin, you're right. I changed my mind. And then he's exposed. And I'm kind of like, what? what is you doing, Seattle? Or uh, New York Islanders? That's the entire reason why I had Seattle take him. I'm like, what? That? What? <laughs> yeah. So you're talking about surprises. That was a surprise the more that I think about it. That was a surprise. All right. So um, I just want to see. I was going to scan the chat quick so, just to make sure. Uh, Rob, Iman, I, Rob Iman asked about Holtby going to Seattle. And this is, this is not to pile on Rob at all because Rob brings up a point that a lot of people have brought up in that it seems like Seattle is going with Treasure and Holtby. And that seems like a foregone conclusion. Why Holtby? Like, I don't, I don't understand that, but that seems to be what's going to happen. Why Holtby, though? Silence. Okay, we, we, <laughs> that's fine. We have no idea. I'm just, yeah, it, I, I mean, don't understand it. Unless he can turn into the goalie he was three years ago, but there's no indication that he can. Yeah. Yeah, I just, yeah, I don't know. All right. Uh, I'm going to get this. I'm going to wrap this up so we can take yes. this home. Um, so obviously lot long show, but a lot happened this week. So I, I, you know, I feel like this is the one show where we actually earn the length. Um, 
we'll definitely uh next time we come on we'll definitely do some of the stuff that we normally do as well as talk about all this stuff that's still to come um but obviously right here on teal town usa we have a bunch of content coming up um obviously the expansion draft is wednesday uh and i'm sure that there will be a show after that just breaking down what happened and getting to know our our new enemy in the seattle kraken and uh prognostications on how they're going to do um the draft draft is this weekend so there will definitely be content there i'm presuming on both days of the draft i'm sure we will um i know puck i was mentioning possibly being live while the uh sharks pick um i think that'd be super cool but either way there will definitely be a show friday night and uh i'm sure we will do a show on saturday to recap the rest of the draft so uh definitely make sure that if you're not subscribed subscribe hit the bell um you know hit the likes leave a comment in the chat if you ever have anything you know any comments about the show uh leave us a comment in the chat helps us with the algorithm obviously and all that cool stuff um so that is it for us tonight we appreciate all you guys for joining us big big crowd uh watching tonight and we always appreciate that um so obviously um kevin lacy any final thoughts my final thoughts are, you know, we did this same exact show for the Las Vegas Golden Knights. And at the time, we said, boy, look at all these names we didn't expect to to be available. So we built our lists. And then when Vegas drafted their team, we went, how did they not, how did they not take this guy, this guy, this guy, this guy, this guy? How, how do they just leave those guys on the board? Well... That Vegas Golden Knights team went to the Stanley Cup Finals that year. So, no matter what we have predicted here tonight, who knows? We Tarasenko might not be taken. Carey Price might not be taken. Jerry McCann might not be taken. Although, <laughs> Jerk will say, screw you. I'm going to claim him if Seattle doesn't. <laughs> but uh, who, I, I'm very curious to hear how it goes. And then... If Seattle ends up taking a bunch of guys that leave us scratching our heads at the same time, we did it a few years ago, and it turned out to work out well for them. I do trust Ron Francis. So, uh, again, I'm ready to root for the Kraken. I just hope their fans are a little bit nicer than Vegas's are. <laughs> I'm at Kevin Lacey 22 on Twitter. Thanks for watching. Hockey Jerk. I am at hockey underscore jerk on Twitter. Uh, unrelated. Uh, last week was a big week for me. I moved and I finally have uh, the jerk podcast studio version 3.0 set up. Um, so, yeah, you obviously y'all didn't see a difference for me. Big difference. I quite enjoyed it. Um, and I enjoyed talking to these guys. You know, we do we talk for too long probably but it's a damn good conversation and i i i wouldn't give up give it up for anything so um it's our favorite time of the year we're going to keep doing things obviously you know expansion draft entry draft free agency um i know we're all pretty in love with the idea of the know your enemy segment that's gonna yes, be something well. we're going to be doing a lot so Fear not, you know, the summer months are hard for hockey fans and that's why you have us. Yeah, I, I can't I can't promise that the rest of the summer is going to be as exciting as this week those, but the the content definitely on Tilton and Glasses will keep coming. Um I 
hope that I had enough energy today. I was in the car all day. I'm pretty exhausted at this point. I'm not going to lie. Um, but it was, it was awesome, you know, getting home and, and getting on to do this pretty much, you know, getting home, being home for a few hours and then coming on and doing this podcast. Um, and again, seeing how many people are watching live right now, it's, it's fantastic. And for, for those that are, you know, catching this on, on the audio, we obviously appreciate you as well. Um, again, if you ever have anything that you want us to talk about, um, you can hit us up in our discord channel. Uh, you can also uh, DM me uh, at Ian Blogs Hockey. Uh, I'd be happy to, you know, take your thoughts of what you'd like us to talk about, and we would definitely uh, like to talk about the things that you want us to talk about, as well as the things that we like to talk about. Um, that makes sense. I don't know. I'm rambling now. So um, that is it. I appreciate everyone being here, um, and I hope that you all have a fantastic evening, and I hope you all enjoyed the show. And we will see you the next time we go live. Thank you, and good night.